Hello and welcome to the Sports Desk. We're coming to you live from Cecil County, America. Got a pretty loaded episode for you tonight. Still going football heavy as the NFL and college football are sprinting to the finish line. We've had our thumbs on the pulse of that action and I'm sure you guys have as well. Uh, Tonight at the desk we're going to be getting into our week 12 uh, NFL recap as we always do. Is, uh, Is the ice melting in Green Bay and... How is the NFC playoff picture going to shake out after a thriller in Carolina? Uh, Land animals and air animals were fighting it. You know, birds and panthers, you guys should have seen it. I'm sure you did. Uh, We'll also be getting into, uh, we'll also be sitting down at our college football playoff table. Who's going to get a seat at that table? It's only four teams for now. Uh, We also will be looking at our uh, way too early 2019 free agent class and some possible landing spots for those guys. It's going to be in Interesting offseason, to say the least. Don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. Kind of going to map it out, you know. And uh, last but most certainly not least, we'll be getting into uh, some nuclear QB situations around the league as we dive into our uh, QB DEFCON. All that and more on the Sports Desk. Hey, how's it going, guys? Noah here with the Sports S Podcast. We're going to dive right into our weekly recap for Week 12. Bennett, what do you think about that Thanksgiving Bears-Lions game? Uh, it was pretty, pretty good. You know, I mean, the, the score might indicate it being closer than it actually was. I mean, the Bears absolutely dominated this one. I think it's uh, their second game in a row with a defensive touchdown. They have about, about six of those on the year. Eddie Jackson's uh, second consecutive game with a defensive touchdown. He... Uh, Picked off Kirk Cousins last week and took it to the house. Uh, Eddie Jackson's really been a steal like we were talking about uh, last week. You know, real real underwhelming. I don't want to say underwhelming, but really, you know, under-the-radar guy coming out of Alabama of all places. He's really been a stud for the Bears this season. Uh, Matthew Stafford, you know, that, that pick six really sealed it. I think if uh, the Lions go down and put any kind of points on the board there, it's it's a really different game. Chase Daniel played uh, just good enough for the Bears. He he left some throws out there, but you know, for for kind of filling in and just coming off the cuff, he did he did pretty well. Uh, Cohen had a receiving touchdown. Uh, Taewon Mizell had a receiving touchdown for the Bears as well. He does more of their special teams duties. He does you know kick returns, things of that nature for them. But yeah, overall, I mean, the Bears just played very dominant, like they like they tend to do. They're the number one defense in the league according to a lot of people. Um, you know, the defense really, you know, on that point, it really goes beyond Khalil Mack. Like I said, Eddie Jackson, uh, Kyle Fuller had another pick today, or on Thanksgiving, rather. So, I mean, they have they have more depth than people are, you know, willing to willing to look into. It goes really beyond the service with that team. They're a very, very complete defense. I think once Trubisky comes back, you know, this team's really going to be really going to be moving and kind of really sprint through the finish as far as the NFC North goes. He Trubisky, however, is uh, is questionable against the New York football Giants next Sunday. I don't think that'll play into it too much as the Giants are kind of still reeling after that stinger of a loss to your Philadelphia Eagles. We'll get into that in a minute. But yes, sir. Just on the, uh, just on the point of the lines, I think they really miss on Johnson, especially in the uh, – and the short passing game. While the Garrett Blunt is good and has been serviceable for the Lions, 
I think that I, I think that they stand to gain a lot when Carryon Johnson's in the game. He can do a lot for them, and when he does well, the team seems to do. The team seems to win games and you know really perform at the level that they're capable of. Unfortunately, they can never kind of seem to put it together. This team, for me, like we said when we talked about talked about draft needs on the last pod, they really lack an identity right now, and I think it's going to tell a lot going forward as to how they draft and you know what uh, what free agency can be for them. I think they're one of those teams that's around the league average for caps. So if they if they cut a few guys, maybe a guy like you know Ziggy Anza or one of the question marks in the secondary like Quandry Diggs or Tavon Wilson. A guy who kind of is kind of a hit on the cap walks. It's going to free up some space for Matt Patricia and the Lions front office to get who they really want in there. Who who do you think Matt Patricia wants in this draft? Do you think he wants like a posture coach? <laughs> I mean, it's hard to tell. He's he's going to want a guy with good posture. I think that's yeah. Good posture is definitely it's it's a key. Oh, need. it's top of his when list. I'm when I'm ranking prospects, good posture is right up there with what kind of cereal he likes in the morning. Uh, very valid point. I think Mel Kuyper's actually going to have just a straight standalone posture board this year. He's going to say, Todd, 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 this guy's posture out of Boston College. Tremendous, absolutely phenomenal. Mel Kuyper's from this area. Shout out to him. His draft analysis is usually interesting to say the least, as ours will be in the uh, in the coming months as that approaches. But uh, yeah, Matt Patricia is really a question mark. The, for this Lions team going forward, it's 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 an open book, man. They can they can do a lot on a on a lot of fronts, you know. With Golden Tate walking out the door, I think that one way or another they're gonna have to get Matthew Stafford a vertical a vertical threat to really you know prolong prolong his career and ensure you know that the Lions have any shot at you know getting out of this getting out of the neutral phase they've been in for probably the last six years. So. Yeah, they they've been the Lions the entire time. Yeah, just eleven and five sometimes, maybe mm-hmm. eight and eight. Yeah, losing the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, it's, that's all you got to define them as. I think everybody in a broader context will know what you're talking about when you say the Lions. Yeah, more mediocre than cranberry sauce. It's what I use to describe oatmeal sometimes. Just this is very Lions oatmeal. Yeah, oatmeal. Oatmeal is good though. Oatmeal is a hitter. It's o- a crucial good. breakfast food. But uh, all right, let's move on. Yeah, Lions are modern mediocrity. We're out of here. We've talked about too many bre- <laughs> breakfast foods. Um, moving on to the Cowboys, they beat the Redskins 31-21 to also on Thanksgiving. I think the game plan for the Cowboys, if they want to succeed anymore, you got to feed Zeke. In this game, he has 26 carries, 121 yards, and a touchdown. Um, you know, he, he looked really good. Amari Cooper is another guy that's shining for him right now. Stud. He's making that trade playoff from the uh, Raiders. He has three touchdowns in four games. He only had one touchdown in six games with Oakland. In this game, he had uh, nine reception or nine targets, eight receptions, 180 yards for two touchdowns. So he's definitely making Jason Garrett look like a genius, and Jerry Jones looking like I don't know the the president of the United States. I don't yeah, know. or just an an oil you know tycoon <laughs> benefactor. Regardless, uh, another thing that I want to point out from the film is Dak looked really good on that one scrambling touchdown he had. He made like eight people miss tackles. And I think that's how you got to build that Cowboys offense. I mean, it came out um, that the Cowboys don't really have an offensive scheme. They're kind of just winging it and, uh, you know, stealing plays from certain teams and everything. But if you run, like, a college-type offense with a lot of options and everything, I think that could be, like, one of the best scrambling quarterbacks in the NFL. 
um, like right up there with Wilson and Newton and uh, a few other guys. But uh, I don't know if the Cowboys are good or the Redskins are this bad without Alex Smith. I don't want to put the Cowboys in the number one spot for the NFC East. Um, we'll get into that. But I, I just uh, I don't really see, even if they do make the playoffs, which, I mean, it's looking like they're going to be the team to make it out after the way both our teams played against each other this week. I think that the Cowboys are just going to get murdered first round, and whatever wild card team they play, I mean, if they end up against like a team like the Vikings, they would get destroyed, I think. Yeah, I, I really look at the uh, the NFC East like a burning building. The Giants are kind of just on the bottom, you know, trapped under all the debris, and Pat Shermer had to call the right plays to get us out of there, and he just he didn't do that. So we our, our season is burnt uh, you know, not to a nice crisp, um, not totally done. Uh, the draft's going to tell a lot for us. We're going to have some cap space, barring that we make the right moves. We'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, to your point about the Cowboys and Dak being the quarterback that he is, that offense could be peak RPO. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. sure they do a lot of run-pass option as it is right now. Um, I think a big thing they could coming, really be the like the the point of that and and kind of the pedigree for that across the league. I think opinion. a big thing coming out of the or the NFC Championship last year after the Eagles absolutely destroyed the Vikings with the RPO, um, making Harrison Smith look like a schoolboy. Um, <laughs> you look lost, man. I I Rarely. think a lot of people and a lot of NFL guys thought the RPO was going to be used a lot more. It's really not used a lot, and I would love to see like a young college guy come in and just install an offense with just RPOs, like a Lincoln Riley or, or I, I I don't know. But there's a lot of like OC openings this coming off season, and I would love to see the RPO just be installed as like a main <clears throat> thing with one of these like young scrambling guys. Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of saw the beginnings of it when uh, our Lord and Savior Colin Kaepernick was still in the league. But um, <laughs> after that, it kind of went away for a little bit. And over the past few years, it's it's slowly making its return. I think, I think what was the saving grace for you guys last year, and I harp on this constantly with Philly, is you had two of the best offensive minds in football and Frank Reich and uh, DiFilippo. And yeah. they're on different teams now. And look what those teams are doing. I mean, respectively. just just look at what Defoli- or Frank Reich is doing with the Colts right now. Dude, they're they're lighting up. I mean, Andrew Luck has had seven straight games with three plus touchdown passes. The line looks phenomenal. We love the Colts here at the sports. We'll, desk. we'll get into it. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely dive into. Moving that. Moving on to the other Thanksgiving game, Bennett. What do you think about the Saints Falcons? I mean, the the Saints the Saints showed us what we already knew about the Saints. I mean, Breeze, even though he only threw for 171, that's got to be like a season low for him, uh, you know, thereabouts. But threw a pick, which is also rare for Breeze this season. I think it's only like a second or third one. It's Bounce, a second. Wow. Bounced back nicely from that. Threw four touchdowns to guys I've never I didn't hear of before. I uh, we talked about it last week. The Gus Edwards plumbing. Yeah. Uh, the Ravens got a plumber in Gus Edwards. The Saints got like an HVAC guy, a mechanic, first uh, of all, dental assistant, just anything blue collar. Dan Arnold, <laughs> he's an HVAC tech. No, cap. Tommy Lee Lewis. He sounds like one of the replacement drummers for Van Halen. Sounds like a guy who does karaoke at Thursday nights on a bar in the French Quarter. But Keith Kirkwood. Nonetheless, dude, Sean Payton. This is just a credit to Sean Payton. Excuse me. He, he can plug anything into this offense. 
and it just it just turns to gold like the Saints uniforms. I mean, it's 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 really a sight to see. Their offense is a straight machine, and the defense looked really good. I mean, they had they had about five sacks. Cam Jordan, you know, it, it's just a matter of time for him. He's been getting a lot of doubles this year. Now that uh, Davenport's back in there, and you know. Kind of, kind of being a presence. He didn't have Davenport didn't have a great game, but him kind of eating up those blocks along with Sheldon Rankins, who also did well for the Saints. Uh, they really freed up Cam Jordan, and when Cam Jordan isn't getting double teamed and triple teamed, seemingly the things he can do are, you know, they're they're infinite. He's a very versatile guy. Um, as for Atlanta, I mean, another week without a hundred yard rushing performance. Tevin Coleman is a bona fide number two running back in this league. He I think he got like six yards, and that that's not to um, that's not to slander the Falcons' offense necessarily. I mean, by this point in the season, we know the Falcons are going to sling it around the yard like you know, like a recess football game. It's kind of what they have to do with Freeman being out. But Tevin Coleman's a pass catcher. He's a scat back. He's not a guy that's going to run for a hundred yards in a given week. Um, even though he was the last one to do it for Atlanta in week two. This team really needs offensive line talent badly. I know they lost Levitri early in the season. He tore, I think he tore his triceps like the second week. I, I didn't know that until today, actually. I mean, that, that may make me sound kind of, you know, underinformed or dumbfounded. But when you think of Atlanta, I mean, they've usually had a pretty, a pretty strong foundation around Matt Ryan. People will mention, you know, Alex Mack, a few other guys on that line over the years. Chris Chester, who's no longer with the Falcons. I think he actually retired from the league, but... This team needs offensive line talent badly. I mean, a, a lot of guys have them taking, a lot of guys have them taking like you know one of these one of these prototype defensive linemen or edge rushers in the draft. I think, I think while someone is needed to complement Grady Jarrett, you go you go into the draft you know heavy handed and you and you you put your foot down and you take an an offensive guy that can really you know protect the house. And I don't even think. I don't even think if push comes to shove, they need to take a guy at number seven, which is where they're currently picking. Not to say that that's going to stay the same, but I don't even think they would need to pick a guy at seven. If they're that early in the draft and they have a second round pick, some of these tackles are going to fall. It's not a very line heavy draft, but if you wanted to pick an edge rusher or a prototype defensive lineman, you could do that at seven, but definitely keep an offensive lineman in mind. This is what the Falcons need. They're, they're top 10 in sacks allowed this year, and it's really hurting their offense, as you can see, so... Uh, I just want to go back to that Drew Brees throwing to random guys. Uh, he has a touchdown to 13 different players this season, which That's is That's some point guard crazy. stuff right there, man. Wow. All right, let's move into my favorite game of the week. I don't know if it was your favorite game of the week. For the first half. It was, it was <laughs> the fun. Philadelphia fun. Eagles beat the New York Giants 25-22. Um, I, I think we should split it up. I'll talk about my Eagles. You can talk about the Giants. Reluctantly, it's going to be therapeutic. Uh, I'll, I'll go first. Um, you know, this O-line is struggling despite being one of the best O-lines coming into the league. Uh, there was a few games where they just looked, they just like, Carson Wentz was getting attacked and they would just look at him like, oh, oh well. Should yeah. we help him? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he was sacked on that one third and 15 in the first quarter after avoiding like two guys. He finally gets grabbed by the legs and, like, pulled down. And, it, it, like, Jason Peters was looking at him like, oh, well, yep, that, that happened. Uh, you know, the secondary is really bad, and you know it's bad when I'm missing Jalen Mills. Um, they looked lost as well. There's a few times where uh, 
I, I, I don't want to blame it on the secondary because I don't know what player it was, but I think it might have been like Nathan Jerry, but it was a zone defense and mm-hmm. it was one the it was that deep pass to Odell down the left sideline where okay. he got pushed out of bounds yeah. and there was two linebackers in the middle and they kind of just looked at each other. Like they they literally looked at each other. Yeah, mid-play. everyone looked lost out there. <laughs> Schwartz did not go man for he he didn't he wasn't touching a man defense for most of that game. He was very reluctant. He wasn't even blitzing very much the first half, and it kind of it kind of played to our strength. Well, really our weakness because our O line is trash, relatively yeah. speaking. I mean, Jamon Brown's been kind of a it, bright. It says spot. something when Eli's sacked less times than Carson Wentz, and like I said, you had one of the best O lines coming into the league. Or coming into the season, you guys did not. Yeah, we, no, we, no. We had Eric Flowers at right there. No, yeah. I'm saying it says a lot know. about the Eagles' O line and how bad they're struggling. Right. But um, I, I another thing I got from this game is I think Corey Clement and Josh Adams could be a running back core of the future. I mean, right. Adams is really good. He, he he runs like power back. He's really strong and finishes runs really well. Corey Clement can catch balls out of the backfield. We saw him score the two-point conversion, but uh, um, I think if they add another player, like another young running back into the mix, maybe get a veteran, I don't know. But I I think Ajayi and Sproles, I mean, I'm pretty sure Sproles is going to retire after this season, but Ajayi, I think you got to let him go. I think uh, Mm -hmm. your running back or your running game is – a little bit better honestly without him he, i mean he's right. he's good but josh adams is kind of filling his role right now and if you have josh adams on a rookie deal right now um it's a lot cheaper and we'll get into the running back position as a whole eventually but i, I mean i'm not going to pay a jolly money if josh adams can do exactly what he's doing oh yeah precisely and to your point about josh adams uh notre dame guy big shout out to him it really harkens me back to that nc state game we watched when we went and saw dante last year he tore them up, and I turned to, I forget that cat's name, man. Kid with the glasses, really cool. We had been living down at ECU for a while. Nonetheless, I turned to him, and I was like, hey, man, I don't know if you heard of him, but uh, he might be in New York here in a few weeks, and not to uh, not to get a slice of pizza from Lombardi's. He, uh, yeah, he might be in that, uh, that Heisman thing. And he's like, dude, I don't doubt it. Guy's, guy's pretty serious. He's been shredding state up all day. I was like, ah, uh, yeah. And uh, here he's in the NFL. It's just a matter of time for Josh Adams, man. I think he's really hitting his stride. People forgot about him, and he lost a lot of stock because of his knee injuries. Had a nice little uh, injury history in college. But, I mean, with Clement, I'm not too sure about him. I mean, I say this every time Corey Clement plays good. I'm like, yeah, he comes from a running offense. He played ball at Wisconsin in college. He was he was great. He came from a long line of running backs, like, you know, with the Melvin Gordons and the Monty Balls, like – he has a he has a little bit of lineage dating back to college, but he's pretty inconsistent. I think you guys do you have a second round pick? Uh, yeah, yeah. Holler at Rodney Anderson, dude. People forget about him too. Broke his leg first first game of OU season there's, this year. There's it's really no running backs 
I mean, I don't want to dive into the running back situation of the oh, draft. Yeah, it's but a there's no conversation. It really there's is. no running backs that I'd really take in the first round. Yeah, there's no Saquons, there's no Zeeks, but there. I mean, it's that's not to say that you can't find good running back talent in these second and third rounds. We always point to Kamara. Yeah, we always point to the Alvin Kamaras of the world. If you think about it, to the Bryce, Bryce Love is a mid-round pick, projected as a mid-round. And pick he was right a Heisman. Now. He's a Heisman. You know, as a as a guy who's in the Heisman conversation the past few years. It just goes to show that while running back is a valuable position, it's not going to be – I think it's going to be a trend for a while that it's not top-heavy in a lot of these drafts. And that's not to say that you don't need a running back because the running back position as it pertains to the NFL is changing and evolving constantly. But uh, as you said, we'll, we'll get to that in a later pod, especially as we get towards our draft analysis. But as for the Giants in this game, I really – Really excited about our play in the first half. I mean, besides Eli leaving three points on the field and Ash, that that was a dagger in the heart towards the end there. I mean, Ro- Rosas could have that, that was a chippy for him. He's he's kicked the ball great this year. We're gonna talk about some more special teams played down the pike here shortly, but um, yeah, the, it it just really starts with that for me, like where it all went downhill. Him leaving the three points out there after a very solid first half. Saquon Barkley only got nine or nine touches. Collins had nine tackles the whole game. Barkley only got three touches in the second half. That's absolutely atrocious. Second best running back in the league, shredding the Eagles' very undermanned defense, absolute mismatch in the short passing game, unstoppable, as you saw in that 50-yard run. Why not get him touches? That That's absolutely absurd. It's like it's like Pat Pat Shermer and Justin Herbert had a nice phone call at halftime of that game. That's what that's what that strikes me as. I mean, The play calling in general between both games were or both teams were really questionable. Yeah, Tom Brenneman called Doug Peterson a literal like a literal riverboat gambler. I was I was geeking at that. When comment. they ran the read option on third and two and Wentz was like eaten alive. It's what are you doing, dude? Yeah, we dude, we totally snuffed that out. Yeah. I think I remember the play you were talking about. Third and short was weird territory in that game. It, I feel like it was weird territory. The stats might say otherwise, but you had a lot of third downs in that in that kind of 40 to 40 range. It's like, okay, so if they get this third down or we get this third down, like this is going to tell a lot. Like I, I think, yeah, we, we were moving. We picked up one of those when we were moving, and, he th- and Eli threw into quad coverage at the end of the half there. I mean, that I, it's a small thing when you think about it. Football, While football is a game of inches, it's a small thing when you think about it, but that, that took three points off the board for us. You know, it all started when you guys went for two on that first Saquon Barkley. Pat Shermer going for two this year is an absolute imbecile. You saw it cost us in Atlanta. Booger McFarland on his Razor scooter, whatever he rides around the stadiums. <laughs> the Booger Mobile. He's like, you know, that's a good call. And the same guy told Odell to take a piss on the sideline later in that game. Booger McFarlane will get his own podcast here coming soon. He might actually be I mean, in here. Hugh Jackson, the- they got one coming. Oh, up. yeah. They'll, they'll both be sitting facing the corner in this very... Small room in Cecil County, Maryland. Um, overall, just very disappointed that the Giants season ended like this. Uh, I would say go Knicks, but they're absolutely atrocious too. Yankees hot stoves cooking. We're really looking forward to it. Just got James Paxton. That'll be on the uh, that'll be on the pot as the weather warms back up. Some leaves get on the trees. Uh, out of sheer disappointment and uh, under the assumption that I might I might shed a tear for this season, we're gonna move on to the Baltimore Ravens and Oakland Raiders. Noah, tell us a little bit about this game. What are you thinking? Um, I, I, Lamar Jackson, he, he looked good. He looked good. I, my uncle does not like Lamar Jackson. And that is the one thing I got from this game. I mean, I, I, I think we all 
knew that the Raiders were going to lose this. I mean, they're one of the worst teams in football. Good. But I was sitting with my uncle over Thanksgiving, and uh, I asked him, I said, do you like Lamar Jackson? And he said, no. I said, why? He's not a quarterback. And if that doesn't tell you anything about how 45-year-olds think football should be played, nothing will. Because the game's evolving, folks, and Lamar Jackson is a modern-day quarterback. And he may throw the ball a little weird, but he wins football games, and Joe Flacco wasn't really winning football games for you now, was he? They win this 34-17. I mean, like I said, it's one of the worst teams in football they played against, but still, I, I think the future is promised in Baltimore. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I mean, I was talking to a buddy of mine a little earlier today. He's a big Ravens fan, uh, frequently on Twitter, uh, you know, Twitter tweeting, Twitter finger in that game, uh, the games in general. But he, what what his takeaway was is Lamar didn't have much zip on his ball on Sunday, and he hasn't had much zip on his ball really for the duration that he's been in this season. And what that says to me is I think Morningweg's really trying to trying to play a game of attrition every week and just keep that offense on the field as long as he can. That's that's where you're gonna that that's where Lamar Jackson is gonna pay off, at least at least for these first few years or excuse me, first few games until he really gets his feet wet in the offense. I think you're gonna see a lot of long drives, you know, milking it down the field, him trusting his legs every now and again. I, I think he's really going to be a project. I mean, he was a stud in college like we always talk about. But as it pertains to the NFL, you said it. The NFL game is evolving, and while he has a lot of strengths, being a mobile guy, you know, being able to uh, <clears throat> being able to bring a lot to that offense just, just based on the player that he is, I, th- I think he's going to be a bit of a project throwing the ball deep. The Ravens aren't, the Ravens aren't really going to lean on a vertical passing game for – for a little while, I would say that Gus Edwards, the plumber, we love him. Mr. Blue Collar had another great game. Hundred yard rushing day, really, uh, really got it done for the Ravens down the stretch. When I, I hadn't seen Gus Edwards until I was watching, you know, I was watching some highlights, a little bit of film on this <laughs> game, and I see that guy, and the first thing I would say, yeah, he's a running back. He's very, very stocky. You know, he's built up. He's got those big legs. Really gets ahead of steam up the field. What 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 strikes me about him is, is he's not a tippy toe guy. I mean, he's downhill. He gets his shoulders up the field. He's not running, you know, east west. He's a north south guy. Very quick burst. Uh, another big day for him. Big props to that guy. Really filling in for the for the Ravens when they needed a guy at that position to be consistent all year. Collins with his fumbles and Buck Allen. Buck Allen's good. He's a better pass catcher than a runner in my opinion. While he hasn't gotten a lot of touches, I think they're going to stick with Edwards down the stretch. <laughs> so I'm just looking at the uh, stats from the Ravens, and we we make fun of Gus Edwards and his you know generic name. They have a guy on defense named Chuck Clark. <laughs> this is just a team. This team might as well be a union. You know what I'm saying? A bunch of union workers here. We got welders, plumbers, the whole thing. Very. Very blue collar team. It speaks to who the Ravens are as they're fighting for a playoff seat here. Chuck Clark, I think he, he was in a uh, workers' comp accident with his electricity company that he worked for, <laughs> and now oh he owns a God. bunch of bakeries. 
So. Hey, props to Chuck Clark, small businessman for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, speaking about that Ravens defense, they played great again. Judon really had a nice bounce back game. You know, three sacks for him proved to be huge down the stretch. Uh, the Ravens, the Ravens have the Falcons next week. They have to stay hot, you know, pick up really what seems to be a layup win just based off the way the Falcons are playing. Who would have thought the Falcons would have the same record as the Browns going into this season? At least a similar record. I was I think thinking the Browns about that while driving today. I was like, blows your mind. The Browns actually are semi in the hunt for a playoff spot. The, the Browns... You, there's a roadmap for them to get into the playoffs. Yeah, they got out of the driveway. I don't think they're going to get They're not. They're, they're not going to make it. No, the, the AFC is just packed. The yeah. future is looking up for this team, though. If they can if they can get another guy in the draft, um, maybe an offensive lineman. I think they're looking receiver as well. I mean, there's a lot of ways the Browns could go. I'm not even going to try and, you know try and pigeonhole them or try and you know narrow it down to one position or one need that they could fill they have a lot of options and that's that's a good that that bodes well for them you know going forward it's really they have the chance to self-determine who they want to be from this year out they have a great foundation with chubb uh baker obviously miles garrett's been great denzel ward's been awesome he's he's in that discussion for rookie of the year it seems like a defensive rookie of the year all those, all, all the defensive rookie of the year guys seem to be in the AFC. Whether it's Darius Leonard, Derwin James, um, just mentioned. I don't think there's a, a George, lot more. George Ergney, Denzel Ward. Yeah, it really seems to be kind of just, kind of just bunched into the AFC. But you know, back to the point about this, uh, this Baltimore Oakland game. The Raiders just got a draft. I mean, Car Derek Carr looks really like okay with some. With some damaged goods, I think Jared Cook is gonna leave there, and look for a competitive home this off season. He's a free agent, it's a guy you get at a pretty much discounted price just because of age and kind of the mileage on him. That's not to take away from him as a player at all. He's been very solid for a pretty crappy Raiders team this year, but it's also gonna be interesting to see where Carr goes this this off season. I don't know what John Gruden's gonna want to do on that front. And, uh, yeah, Colton Miller still sucks. I don't know why they drafted him at number 10. Uh, I think he could have stayed in school another year with UCLA. It would have been a nice growing year for him. I'm almost positive he had eligibility left. It's one of the main points they made. People like ESPN, Bleach Report, some pundits made about his draft stock. But the Raiders just need a draft. It's going to be a long haul there in the, uh, in the Oakland, Las Vegas area for the for the Raiders, so they just need a draft. That's what I'm taking away from this game. Baltimore is definitely in the hunt for a wild card spot. It's them and the Colts for that six seed, man. I think the Chargers are going to lock it up down the stretch. I agree. Moving on, I'm uh, not even going to dive into this game because I think the Chargers are going to lock up five, just to be clear. You can't have seven teams at the six seed. Chargers five, Ravens, Colts, Byron for that. Ravens, Colts, Byron for that six seed. The uh, pa- Patriots beat the Jets 27-13. The only thing I got from this game is Tom Brady pass Peyton Manning for most passing yards all time. You know, oh, wow. as seventy nine thousand two hundred seventy nine. Yeah, that's historic, dude. I mean, those guys went at it like Titans for years. That's that's something you overlook in just such a milk toast game like Patriots Jets. Uh, awesome for Tom Brady. I'm sure avocado sales across the country are going to go up about eight hundred percent. 
uh, good for him. Bug sales being Black Friday, they probably had a few. Oh, sales. dude, it's cyber. It's still discounts. Cyber Monday. I mean, you have an hour and thirteen precious minutes to cash in on those Cyber Monday deals. But uh, uh, the Jets. Uh, what, what comes to mind for me is the guy from uh, from Big Daddy who stays in the bar, who, who's in that bar scene, and all he says is, "Those goddamn Jets." <laughs> that, that's 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 been the season. I mean. You know, Kevin Clancy has a segment titled The Goddamn Jets, and it's every week, it seems, it's warranted. Just some some just BS fiasco is going on with that franchise. Another loss for them. I mean, another team going to just got to draft, 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 man. Mm. And their their future's looking good with Sam Darnold. Yeah, they have a lot of cap. I think they have a good amount of cap, too. Le'Veon's a landing spot for them. According to most people, they're forecasting Le'Veon is going to, you know, keep them in mind as uh, – as free agency approaches, we'll uh, we'll be getting into our 2019 free agent class. Uh, a way too early look at that here in a little bit on the uh, on the pod. So, all right. So moving on, the Buffalo Bills beat the Jaguars 24-21. Um, you know, there's not a lot that comes out of this game besides that fight. And if you didn't see that oh, fight, yeah. it was entertaining because I haven't seen a fight in football like that in a while, where the players like are physically punching most of them are they're just pushing or whatever oh no hands were thrown there's there's no doubt about that so Leonard Fournette he was carrying the Jags offense before he got ejected for that fight I mean he had 18 rushes for 95 yards two touchdowns he almost had 100 dang um but I mean Blake Bortles is really bad and we're going to get into it in our quarterback DEFCON but you know it's bad when D.D. Westbrook is throwing up his hands when you throw an incomplete pass to him. Yeah, get that guy the ball, man. He's a vertical threat. He's quick. He, does a, he can do a lot when you get the ball in his hands. Yeah, I, I can I, only imagine I'd be if you put— pissed if I was anybody. If you put Odell, man. the interactions Odell would have— Oh, you, you leave him out of this. That is not fair. <laughs> he already has it bad enough. Um. So the the Jags came out today. They fired their offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett, who I didn't even know yeah, was. An he sounds like someone who sat on the first Continental Congress. I think he got snubbed. In all in all fairness, a lot of people seem to be thinking that. But I mean, hey, some somebody's gotta somebody's gotta take the bullet and whatever. Uh, this Jags team just sucks. This Bill team sucks. Uh, we say the Bills are one of the worst teams in the league, but they're currently four and seven as well. Josh Allen can run the rock. I had no idea about that. Dude, I, I that knew was, seventy-five yard touchdown he had was a bomb. I know he had a hundred yards, but he threw he threw the seventy-five yard touchdown or ran one. No, he threw a. It was a seventy-five yard completion. It was a touchdown, but oh, yeah. I think it was like 55 yards in the air. Yeah, he's got a cannon. And it was on the run while the pocket was collapsing. It, oh, my it was just gosh. Beautiful. Just a, just a preview of who he can really be. I mean, the biggest takeaway from that game is our friends up in Fredonia. They probably got about 15 cents off of gasoline for the next two <laughs> weeks at, uh, at Timmy, Timmy Horton. So, uh, yeah, shout out to them. Shout out to Timmy Horton. Uh, Bills still suck. Uh, go Sabres. All right. 99. Moving into that uh, Seattle game, what you think about it? Ooh, yeah, it was Animal Planet out there at uh, uh, Bank of America Stadium on Sunday, man. You got birds and uh, jungle cats really going at it. Came down to the wire, man. I mean, big takeaway for me, and like I said at the top, I don't really like to talk about special teams. I'm not, I'm not super wonky like that. I don't think anyone likes to talk about special teams, but 
Gano missing another kick, man. That that's three points that you that literally would have tied the game. I mean, people say, oh, it's not like him to miss these kicks. Uh, well, it's start it's starting to look like that. I mean, the last two weeks he's missed huge kicks. One that would have put them over the hump against a trash Lions team. Well, actually done a service for the Lions and improving their draft stock. Ironically <laughs> enough, um, couldn't couldn't get that done. The Panthers lose by one after Cam Newton has a mammoth game last week. Uh, much the same this week. Wilson goes for 339, two touchdowns for the Hawks. Chris Carson adds a touchdown, 55 yards. Another big day for Lockett. He had a touchdown. Uh, McDougal had an interception that kind of sealed it for Seattle. I, I think if Doug Baldwin can get going, he hasn't had a 100-yard game yet this season. I think Doug Moore has had, has had like three or 400-yard games. Doug Baldwin hasn't had one. Granted, he is injured, or has been injured rather. But if he can get it going, dude, Russell Wilson, he heats up at this time of year. Uh, he's he's baller, very you know, very clutch quarterback. I think that's what kind of keeps him in the conversation as his his team and his organization seem to be falling apart and he's losing weapons by the year. I think that's what kind of keeps him in the conversation. That that clutch, you know, I can do anything kind of gene. I think that he has a thing that a lot of people argue the reason the Packers are doing so poorly is because Aaron Rodgers doesn't have any help. I think that same argument can be made for Seattle and Russell Wilson. Yeah, he's just he's doing more with it. Um, I mean, obviously, ironically, there's no there's no Devonte Adams on the Seattle, Seattle but they yeah. have I mean a shell of Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett who's mm-hmm. killing it right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got to think too. They they've had a nice little three headed monster at running back, like we talked about last week. Dude, they lead the league in rushing, and they don't even have a guy that's gonna crack a thousand yards. Yeah. No one strikes me. No, no one strikes me as if they're gonna do that anyway. I mean, you'd probably have to crunch the numbers on that, and I don't wanna, I don't wanna speak out of bounds here. No pun intended, but yeah, no, no one on that team strikes me as a thousand yard rusher. They're they're all relatively young. Chris Carson, uh, Rashad Penny, and Mike Davis. I mean, like we said last week, they they have that's just they have three guys there that are kind of just, you know, that they can kind of do one thing, each of them, you know. Mike Davis is your power guy. Rashad Penny's Rashad Penny's got that burst. Chris Carson is your endurance guy, as you saw on Sunday. I mean, for 55 yards, he ran hard. He got that touchdown, you know. All told, it was very crucial. Uh, David Moore for Seattle, he's got like 22 catches on the season. Five of them are touchdowns. I mean, that's close <laughs> to like a 20... Uh, that's it's damn near a 25% touchdown rate. Uh, it seems like he's always in the right place at the right time. Tyler Lockett has been showing up for this team for years. He's he's a Swiss Army knife, all told. He does a number of things for them. Great vertical threat. Good in the return game as well. He's really been pivotal for Seattle. As Doug Baldwin, like we said, has been injured. You know, kind of a shell of his former self. Uh, despite Despite winning the game, Seattle couldn't pick up a sack. I mean, they're one of the better... Pass rushing defenses with Frank Clark kind of leading that charge. I think he has something like 11 and a half sacks on the year. Seattle, when they win the sack battle, is actually 4-0. So that, that bodes well for them. But, I mean, they didn't need that this week. You know, with the clutch player, Russell Wilson, uh, receivers being in the right place at the right time, kind of, you know, leaning on that run game a little bit, like we said. But, uh, yeah, when Seattle gets that pass rush going, it, it, it bodes well for them more often than not. So they're going to need that as they make that final push for the playoffs here down the stretch. But for the Panthers, man, I mean, 
they really needed these last two games. And losing two games by a combined four points. It's not looking good. No, it's looking very bleak in Carolina right now. I mean, you still have you still have the Saints twice. And I think, I know they have one more tough game. I cannot think of it off the top of my head. I mean, New Orleans, New Orleans twice, is that's bad enough. I mean, that's I think that's what's going to be the nail in the coffin for them in the NFC. But, I mean, Seattle's still got some work to do as well. I think they have – who's Seattle got left? Oh, you, when you were thinking about that tough game, the Panthers play the Browns. So. Do right. not sleep <laughs> on the Browns. Someone, someone – uh, They cool. play the Bucks, Browns, Saints, Falcons, Saints. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, someone uh, – I can't even think. Cleveland, I think the Saint or the Cleveland Browns. Browns quarterback woke up feeling dangerous. Oh, Baker Mayfield. Yeah, he's good. Look out! Look out! That is. Let's good. let's move right into that. Yeah, that's so, gonna be a tough one, man. The Cleveland Browns beat the Bengals, thirty-five twenty. Um, you know this game was really entertaining to me. Uh, oh yeah, the Bengals suck, but uh, you know Andy Dalton exits the game with a finger injury. It came out today. He's out for the season. They just placed him on IR. Uh, you got Nick Chubb touchdown catch behind the defender's back. That you was know. ludicrous. Then you got the Bengals fumbled snap. It was way over Dalton's head. The Browns scored on that. Baker Mayfield going off. He had uh, 258 yards on 19 completions, four touchdowns. Um, then after the game, you know Hugh Jackson he goes in for a hug against Baker. Baker kind of dodges it, gives him the friend zone handshake, and then calls him out after the post-conference and says, uh, you know, he, he was a little skeptical on him joining the in-division rival so quickly. And then you had Demarius Randall. He caught an interception, handed the ball to Hugh on the sideline. And then, if that's not it, like, you, that, you're not uh, satisfied with that, the Bengals come out and they say, if they're firing Marvin Lewis, then Hugh Jackson is getting consideration. Which, that's the cherry on top of the Sunday for me right there. Oh, my God. I'm so entertained by this Hugh Jackson shit. Uh, I I love, man, I, I love a slow-cooked beef, you know? <laughs> Nothing like it. Nothing like it. You know, just just sits in the pot all day, just just cooks. It really hits that, what marinates that sizzle. I want him to hire Hugh Jackson. Let him suck for another four years. The Hugh Jackson experiment in Cleveland, if – the Bengals front office has any sense, which they don't. Marvin Lewis has been, what was it, 14 years, no playoff wins? Like, yeah, they're, they're in all likelihood going to stick with familiarity and hire Hugh Jackson, who was a disaster in Cleveland. Hence, he's not there anymore and Cleveland's winning. Uh, yeah, that was that was some that was some serious heat issued by uh, Baker and the Browns there on Sunday. I love it. I, I'm here. Like I said, I'm here. I'm here for that slow cooked beef. I uh, I love that mess. You know, some millennials will spe- will say, uh, you know, spill that tea, sis. I'm he- I'm here for that. I mean, the Browns are the the Browns are a new football team. They're going like like we said. You know, they have a lot they have a lot to look forward to in the coming years. You know, the draft, as always with Cleveland, is going to be very interesting. They hit a few home runs this year with with Chubb in the second round. Baker, obviously, Denzel Ward has been phenomenal. So. Things are looking up for this football team, man. And Hugh Jackson, he, I think he really did him dirty in, uh, in more ways than one. Despite him being fired and him being forced to exit, I don't, I don't think he put his best foot forward with that franchise. He did a, really, did a really half-assed job and wasn't committed to those guys like he said he was. So, I mean, 
all the Browns' animosity towards him is totally warranted. I think uh, the Bengals, they're not set for a long time. I think yeah. you kind of got to tear They just down. need to blow this thing up, dude. Yeah, they're in a weird spot. They should be rebuilding, but there was, like, hype around them built up around the season that they were going to win the AFC North. Yeah, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard, set it from the outside. <laughs> and then uh, you got the Browns, on the other hand. They're set for a very long time. You know, they got Nick Chubb, Denzel Ward, Miles Garrett. Yeah, they just have to put the pieces together. You know, new regime in there. Uh, head coach is going to be interesting. I mean, we're breaking down free agency tonight, but, I mean, we talked in uh, previous episodes about how, you know, about the coaching, the coaching matrix around the NFL, who's hot, you know, who's who's in the hot seat, who's not, job security, the whole thing. We had a nice little segment. The one on thing that. that could go wrong here is they look and they're like the Browns owners. I forget what their names are. What Dorsey are and well, oh, that's I the GM. The I forget who the owner is. Yo. It's like two people. Ah, uh, you're you're killing me right now. No, John <laughs> John Dorsey, obviously, he's been he's there. He's the GM. Jimmy but- Haslam. But so yeah, so they sit down yeah. and they look at the season review and they're like, "Greg Williams didn't do that bad, and he retains the coaching position." It would. Be, I don't know if he's ready though. Like no, no, no. It would be the stupidest move of all time. But like, I could definitely. That's a Browns move. That is a Browns move to stay in house. But you're really. We're gonna get to the coaching carousel here very soon. I mean, obviously the season has to end for. For that to kind of take kind of take effect, and you know, really, really for everyone to see what's what as far as far as that goes, and what seats can be filled, who you know, who's being fired, who's being shot into the sun, like we joked about Todd Bowles. Uh, yeah. I, I think yeah, he's gone, but I, the, the Browns might actually look to college. I mean, Lincoln Riley, he's he's been in every his name has been in everyone's mouth. Uh, I don't know if he's going to leave OU. That's the thing, especially if they get that uh, that fourth seed in the college football playoff. I think, and, and well, well, more more so if they advance, if they get in and they advance and get to a natty. I mean, I don't think he would leave. But Cliff Kingsbury was just fired. He might go into the Cleveland. Yeah, head he has some familiarity position. with Baker too. I mean, you know, Baker was a Texas Tech guy. Cliff Kingsbury was—he's been a Texas Tech guy for a long time. Played his ball there. I uh, think. I think there might be something there. Though. That, there could be a little sparks there. I, yeah. I think Kingsbury's more suited for an OC position yeah, instead agree. of a head coach. Um, like, like I said, I mean, well, we can, you know, we can call balls and strikes once this, uh, once the coaching Ferris wheel kind of starts up, but. Yeah, definitely an interesting situation in Cleveland. I think the Bengals are going to regress. They need to blow it up now, see that, uh, see their situation for what it is, and just just really hit the reset button. And we'll get into that on the DEFCON. Uh, moving on, Cardinals, Chargers. Uh, Bennett, what do you think? Yeah, not a lot to say here. I mean, the Chargers are rolling. Unfortunately, uh, they are going to lose Melvin Ingram for a few weeks. He had a grade 2 MCL sprain. Oh, did I say Melvin Ingram? Yeah. <laughs> Brandon Ingram, Melvin Ingram, Mark Ingram. It's all the same. Um, well, Brandon Ingram's like 6'13", but Melvin Gordon, star running back for the Los Angeles Chargers football team. Yeah, he's, he scored two touchdowns Saturday. He's been very hot as of late, as told by uh, some good fantasy performances. We'll take it, you know. Uh, they're going to lose him, unfortunately, for an extended period of time, pretty much a week-to-week basis. Um MC grade two MCL sprain. Uh, while they blew out Arizona, I think they lost more with uh, Melvin Gordon going down. They have a big game against Pittsburgh next week. Uh, they still have 
They still have Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and Kansas City on the ledger coming up. So, Ooh. I mean, yeah, it's it's a bit of an uphill climb for, for San Diego. Phil Rivers set the uh, the record for most consecutive completions to start a game on Sunday. Uh, that's awesome. I mean, he kind of had a mediocre week against the Broncos before, which actually led to a defeat of the Chargers. I'm sitting here laughing because on Pro Football Reference, they have uh, how many people were at the games. <laughs> the Chargers game? So They have it for every game. And okay. for most games, it's like uh, we'll give some – for the Colts-Dolphins game at Lucas Oil Stadium, it was 57,000. Oh, Colts playing good, baby. They coming so up. the Chargers, they played at the Stud, StubHub or You don't even have to say it, right? It's a dump. It's a soccer stadium. Yeah, whatever. Go on. 25,000. <laughs> that is terrible. I mean, that has to do with... I venue. mean, they are playing the Cardinals. Yeah, it's I mean, a... think venue. Think venue. StubHub Center <coughs> is not formidable. I think it seats, like, all told, like, up upwards in the 30,000s. It's That is true. Yeah, they're, they're going to have a venue by, like, 2020, I'm told. Like, 2020, 2021, somewhere. That's a mouthful to say, 2020. We're getting old. Um, Yeah, the, the, the venue's not formidable at all. And... Yeah, back to that game. Uh, Rosen, another mediocre performance. He's he's quite a project down there in Arizona. I mean, he strikes me as a guy who has a pretty huge ego. You cannot have that in the NFL. It's not college anymore, brother. Jim Moore is not you know patting your back. I think he, I, I think he's he's kind of you know he's he's got a steep learning curve. Even though he's lacking weapons, I think it's still going to be a long time coming for him. Uh, I think Larry Fitzgerald might even walk out of the building this year. He's he's a free agent. He's someone he's someone we're likely going to be discussing in our <coughs> way too early segment here coming up, but I mean, it's another team man. They just, they just got a draft. Draft, draft, draft. I know we harp on it. It's look, look at what it did for the Browns, man. Baker and Denzel walking in the door, Nick Chubb walking in the door in the freaking second round. He's been great. So I mean, there's a there's a lot to behold in these drafts. I mean, Arizona's really got to hit a home run this year. Um, they they can go a number of ways. Something tells me they're gonna go O line. Uh, IU Potty, a few more of those guys. I think AQ Shipley. They're kind of aging out. And if if I'm if I'm down if I'm down there in Arizona, I really want to get some guys that are gonna kind of protect my house and my future with Josh Rosen. Um, as far as cap goes, I'm. I want to say Arizona's up there above the league average in in, uh, in terms of cap. So just just lock Chandler Jones down until 2021, I believe, or 2022. So he's going to be there for a while. They finally paid him like the stud pass rusher that he is. So it'll be interesting going forward for, for Arizona. Like I said, Josh Rosen, limited weapons, steep learning curve. Lot to uh, lot to look into for that football team. Way more question than, questions than answers, obviously. We're going to move on to the Denver Denver Pittsburgh game. No, any thoughts? Any thoughts from you on that game? Very, very interesting. A lot of, a lot of points left on the field. I mean, the Broncos—they're getting hot. Uh, they win twenty-four seventeen against the Steelers, which most people think are like a fifth, mm-hmm. the fifth best team in the AFC right now. Um, or the fourth. Yeah, the fourth. But uh, you know, the the Broncos—they took care of business here. Uh, Case Keenum. Not really getting criticized too much. He has two touchdowns in this game, 197 yards. Uh, we spoke earlier on previous podcasts about how defensive lineman Derek Wolf called him out and was like, oh, I thought I would have a quarterback by now. That's why I re-signed with Denver. 
Well, Case Keenum, and we'll talk about it, uh, he's been looking good. He's been making the right reads, making the right throws. Um, you know, that's that being said, Ben Roethlisberger almost had 500 yards in this game. Uh, two interceptions, though, so. That is Matthew Stafford-esque. Ben's stat line, 462, a single touchdown. Did he, th- he threw two picks. Yeah, two. Jeez Louise, yeah. That's not a recipe for success for Pittsburgh. I think that kind of goes without saying. Juju Smith-Schuster, huge game. 13 catches, 189, and a touchdown. Could have had another one. He uh, bent over, bent over shot him in the end zone. Uh, some quick math for you, done by a done by a good friend of the sports desk, uh, one Christian Amici. He's on Twitter at at Christian Amici seven. Uh, according to Christian's math, the Steelers lost out on twenty points on Saturday, a blocked field goal that would have been Sunday. three Sunday. Sunday, Sunday. College, college football seat at the table thing got me excited. Sunday, Pittsburgh lost out on twenty points all told, according to Mister Amici, in the form of a blocked field goal. Fumble on the goal line, overthrew Juju for a touchdown. JW, I'm not a Steeler faithful. James Washington. Oh, James Washington. Oh, yeah, yeah. Big receiver <laughs> out of Oak State. Okay. I didn't even see his name in the stat line, but James Washington dropped a dropped a ball that was in his bread basket. Could have came out to at least three points. So according to Amici's math with the block field goal, fumble, overthrow, and the drop by Washington, that's 20 points the Steelers left out there. I mean... One could say Amici's a homer, but, I, I mean, this seems like a totally objective analysis to me. Steelers leaving, you know, anywhere from 20 to 24 points out there when they lost the football game by seven. That's not a recipe for success for Pittsburgh. Uh, ben, ben Roethlisberger kind of folds in these games. We've seen, we've seen him do it against the Patriots a few times in the playoffs. Uh, the Steelers, if they're serious about contending and don't want to fall off a cliff here, losing to a team like Denver, who was... Being considered for a top ten top ten draft pick a few weeks ago, like they just hand those out. They were in the, they were in that if the season were to end today, in one of those t- kinds of discussions, Denver was picking in the top ten. But uh, to lose to an upstart team like this at this point in the season, it's it's really the Steelers shooting themselves in the foot. And if they're serious about contending, you know, getting perhaps even a first round bye, the, the Steelers cannot be playing like this. I mean. Juju, Juju Smith-Schuster on a high note, like I said, huge game, 189 and a touchdown, that big 97-yarder. He's becoming one of the tough covers in the NFL. He really is. I mean, he's offset to Antonio Brown, who is the best receiver in the league. That's not conjecture. That's a fact. He's had some record-setting seasons over the years. I mean, we, we know what Tony Totap can do. Um, yeah, Juju Juju being his sidekick has boded very well for him. He's not getting that he's tough. He's taking a lot of pressure off. Yeah, he's taking a lot of pressure off AB, a lot of pressure off the guys calling the plays double for coverage. Pittsburgh. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, believe it or not, for Denver, this team is peaking at the right time. I'm not saying that they have the they have their credentials or you know the endurance to kind of sprint into that sixth spot over a team like the Colts or the Baltimore Ravens, but I mean, they kind of have a recipe for success laid out for them here in these last few weeks. I mean. They have some relatively easy games. Next week, they go to Cincinnati, very depleted team like we spoke about previously after that loss to the Browns. Um, oh, yeah, they have a really easy schedule coming up. Oh, they do, they do. It's I mean, it's a cakewalk towards the end besides that last Chargers game, and you know they're going to go into that game heated. And they already beat the Chargers, so, I mean, 
Chargers things might are, be resting. They might have already clinched by then. Yeah. So I mean, things things are things are looking up in the Mile High City. Ironically, as they sit on a mountain, things are still looking up. Uh, they have the Bengals, Niners, Browns, Oakland. That Browns game is going to be tough, but Browns yeah. are tough. Browns are. <laughs> we've we've more than emphasized that Browns are a tough football team. Another upstart team. That's really going to be a telling game. There for the Broncos. Just that's gonna be a good game to watch. I think you know you're really gonna see the spirit of a lot of guys come out. Guys are gonna be, despite that being that game being in the, uh, being in week fifteen, a lot of guys are gonna be playing for their keep. You know, a lot of contracts. Uh, really, you know, like a lot a lot of semantics on the line. A lot of things people tend to overlook are gonna be on the line in that game. After the Browns, they have the Raiders and then the Chargers. So I mean. I'm not ruling this Broncos team team out. They're really going to contend, and you're really going to get the most out of a lot of guys on that squad in particular. Another big day for Philip Lindsay as well. He's uh, he's proven to be a very formidable weapon for the Broncos. You know, running and catching equally well. So I mean, things are looking up for this Broncos team. It's just a matter of Case Keenum coming out and performing, and uh, you know, he's maybe even using that Derek Carr comment as motivation to uh, to drive it home for the Broncos. So the uh, Colts beat the Dolphins 27-24. Going to touch on this very briefly because there's only one team with storylines. Andrew Luck, he, I think he would be an MVP in any other season that Mahomes or Breeze wasn't in. Um, he made some amazing throws. He's shredding it. He had 343 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions, though, but he completed uh, 30 out of 37. Um, Marlon Mack is helping this Colts running game. That was non-existent in the past. The uh, offensive line's one of the best in the NFL. They've given up their they gave up their first sack since week five in this game. Um, I think the Colts, without a doubt, could make some noise in the playoffs. Um, I think they're playing really hot right now. And then going to move on to the uh, Vikings Packers game. Oh boy! Vikings beat the uh, Packers twenty-four to seventeen. Aaron Rodgers did not play well in this game. Um, he got outplayed by Kirk Cousins. I think he only had like 189 yards, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Kirk had like 340, uh, 342, and four touch or f- three touchdowns. Um, I mean, the Packers' playoff hopes kind of ended with this game. I think we both can agree. No matter what they say, oh, you right. can, you can't count Aaron Rodgers out. He's yeah. the best quarterback of all time. Well. You got to count him out when Mike McCarthy is the team, head coach. Team sports, not golf guy. I mean, um, come on. <laughs> I heard I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast this morning on my way to work, and he said that the Packers don't have an owner, which I had to look into. They're a publicly owned team. Oh yeah, a lot of cheese up there. <laughs> a lot of the, a lot of them cheeseheads have stock in that uh, in that Packers team. You know, they love they love their dairy. I mean. They love tacos and corn tortillas. They, uh, they love a, their Packers up there. They're closer to Fredonia than you think. But, I mean, <laughs> while, while the Packers are cheese, this team is uh, – they're not meat and potatoes. It's Aaron Rodgers improvising, taking up a lot of cap. And, uh, yeah, they're missing a lot right now. I mean, Nick Perry's been out. Clay Matthews has kind of been underperforming. I mean, I think he's going to leave after the season. His time in Green Bay is kind of done in my eyes. Um Devontae Adams has really been a bright spot for this team. He's going to show up every week and give you his best, no doubt. Very passionate football player. Uh, Aaron Jones didn't have a bad day. I mean, on 17 carries, he had 72 and a touchdown. Uh, Devontae Adams, of course, caught a touchdown. Tremont Williams kind of had a 
back-breaking fumble towards the end of that game. Another thing I really want to point out is, to your point, Rodgers didn't play his best game. He just kind of seemed out of it, like mentally. He seemed you know, sad. Yeah, he did. Men- <laughs> mentally, really just mentally depressed. Which I, I would be sad, Not- too, if I had Mike McCarthy as a yeah, coach. Yeah, you can tell the pot's going to, you know, it's it's going to run it over. <clears throat> Mike McCarthy is just, he's not doing it for this team right now. Uh, he's been kind of mediocre in my eyes for a number of years. You can't, you can't just win one Super Bowl with the best quarterback of a generation. Like, that's, that's going to be the final analysis. No matter how this ends, I think it's going to end with Mike McCarthy leaving leaving what is called title town this year with one single title and um yeah i I can't even get into the the possibility of head coaches next year i mean you mentioned josh mcdaniels it's kind of a no-brainer but we'll we'll get into the coaching carousel as uh and we'll get into that in the weeks and months ahead as uh the season kind of winds down but yeah, Aaron Rodgers, he just he just looked sad, man. He looked mentally just kind of out of it last night. He missed a throw that is usually a layup for him, just a little touch pass to Devontae Adams. I mean, Devontae Adams kind of missed time, misjudged the ball, could have dove for it perhaps. I mean, of of course you could of course you could get into that discussion and kind of, you know, surmise like, "Oh, you know, he could have done this, he could have done that, he could have you could have Millie rocked and caught it behind his neck. Uh, yeah, you of course with the perk of hindsight, you could say he could have done this or that, but that's usually a layup throw for Rodgers, and they kind of had to settle for some cheapy points down there at the end. That that's what made that game twenty four to seventeen. They couldn't stop the uh, the Vikings on the ensuing possession, and you know even towards the end, Kirk Cousins was throwing the ball. Man, that just goes to show the trust that Mike Zimmer and DeFilippo really really having him and I mean he absolutely balled out last night uh Thielen for a while was kind of a non-factor he heated up his ninth 100 yard game this season he he had a touchdown Diggs had a touchdown Rudolph had a nice game you know they found him a lot he was every time he was targeted he caught it his catch percentage was 100 last night catch rating whatever um Dalvin Cook also added a touchdown showing that he can be a threat out of the backfield as well I mean, hey, when you feed your dogs, your team eats. You, you got to get these guys involved every week. I think the Vikings can go, can go as far as they want. And with that Panthers loss, the uh, the wild card really opens up nicely for them. If they can go into New England next week and and notch a win in in the Game of Thrones esque Foxborough, I mean, the sky's the limit for this team, man. And I, I'm not I'm not putting it past them to do it. The Patriots, you don't know who's gonna show up any given week. I mean, they lost to the freaking Titans who just who just got slaughtered on Monday night football by the Texans. That just went final. We'll talk about that briefly in a moment. But my last point about this team is uh, you know, Kirk Cousins is gonna take them as far as they wanna go. The defense is finally coming into form as well. So I mean Things are clicking at the right time, and that's what you're. That's what you're gonna see at this time of year. I mean, the the men are really gonna separate themselves from the boys. A very you know overused metaphor or figure of speech, as it pertains to this time of year. But I I think the Vikings, the Vikings can go as far as they want, and it it goes through the armor, Kirk Cousins. So. All right, and we're gonna dive into the college football side of things like Lee Corso on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, as it stands right now, I'm just gonna kind of paint the picture of the uh, of the college football playoff rankings. You got actually better yet, I'm gonna go with my own. I'm gonna go with my own uh, scheme of things here. Me personally, I have Alabama at number one, Notre Dame two, 
Clemson at three, and that uh, that all wondering fourth seed. I have Oklahoma sliding in there. I think they're gonna take care of business against Texas this time. I mean, the Red River game was kind of a fluke because, I mean, all the wins were right for Texas in that game, and Kyler Murray put up. Kyler Murray in the Oklahoma offense. That's not to undersell. That's not to undersell. Um. Sermon and CeeDee Lamb and Marquise Brown, all the weapons they have on that side of the ball. They put up 45 and still lost the game. I don't think it's going to be a sweep for Texas this time. Uh, I think Oklahoma takes care of business and ultimately slides into that fourth seed. Uh, the order is just my prediction. I mean, a lot of people I know with that 2-3 dichotomy, no matter who's at 2 and who's at 3, they're going to have to play each other. Me just being a Notre Dame homer is going to put Notre Dame at 2. I think we've beaten... Um, more teams who were good, and as a result of us beating them, we kind of sent them home for the season with their tails between their legs. You talk about Stanford, uh, Virginia Tech, teams of that nature. We kind of, I would say we kind of did that to Northwestern as well, and same with Syracuse. Like, no one's talking about Syracuse these past two weeks after we absolutely destroyed them at Yankee Stadium. Wish the Yankees could have done more of that this season. Um... Yeah, no one's talking about Syracuse. No one's talking about Stanford. No one's talking about Virginia Tech. Uh, Northwestern snuck into the Big Ten championship game. That's going to be a cakewalk for Ohio State. It's another team who's going to be, you know, part of this discussion. Uh, I call this segment a seat at the table because, uh, you know, Thanksgiving just happening. The college football playoff stove heating up as it is. I mean, (coughs) a seat at the table at this time of year is it's something special, so... Like I said, um, my four teams to get into the college football playoff in this order, it's Bama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Oklahoma. My first two out are Ohio State and Georgia. So we're, I'm going to start it at the back here. Georgia at the quote-unquote sixth seed. Uh, the Bulldogs last year, they were literally a Tua Tagovailoa away from winning a national championship. I mean, that's about as complete a team as you get last year. You know, guys like Roquan Smith, Sony Michelle, Chubb, um, Jake Fromm, a few others. Isaiah Wynn, who unfortunately lost his rookie season to a torn Achilles. Quick recovery to him. He's going to be a great Patriot for a long time, regardless of who he's protecting, be it Tom Brady, whoever. Uh, nonetheless, it was a very complete football team last year. They were... <sighs> They were inches away. Tua made a perfect throw. All the wins were right for Alabama. They found their guy. I th- I think this team, you know, it's re- they, they've really heated up at the end. DeAndre Swift has come back into the fold. It's a name you heard a lot early on in the season uh, in, the, in the running back realm of things. He has his 400-yard rushing games in their last five. Jake Fromm over that same stretch has thrown 11 TDs to one interception. This Georgia team's really heating up at the right time, and I think Saturday is going to be a title fight, literally. I mean, you don't you don't get a better SEC championship game than the national championship rematch from last year. I mean, either team could win this game. The caveat for Alabama, uh, they, they have to play four quarters. They aren't used to that in a handful of games this year. I mean, they just had the Citadel recently. <laughs> Granted, Georgia did play UMass two weeks ago. So, I mean, it, it's really... It's really that time. I mean, this this game is exactly what you'd expect it to be, that title fight mentality. I think Georgia 
with their defense. They're going to have to create some turnovers, put Tua in some predicaments that he hasn't been in all year. Really, you know, put some pressure on him for sure. Uh, overall, I think I think Alabama is going to nudge that one out just because of the weapons they have. The vertical passing game is just really overwhelming. Damian Harris can gouge you down the field. They can play a game of attrition if they want to. I th- I think hypothetically speaking if Georgia wins this game it it throws a wrench into the wheel of the college football playoffs like you have you'll have to ask yourself where does Alabama fall as a result of losing to Georgia Alabama's a one-loss team one-loss teams have gotten into this tournament before Alabama is Alabama where does Georgia fall now that they've beat Alabama they're the champion of the SEC that holds a ton of water in this discussion so, I mean, if if Georgia does win, and I think they could, I, I just, like I said, Alabama with their vertical passing game, uh, very balanced defense, Deontay Thompson, Mac Wilson, Quinn and Williams, guys who are good on all three levels of that defense. Uh, I just, I think, I, I think they pull it out. Granted, it's not going to be by three touchdowns like they're used to. It's going to be a dogfight until the end. And I think they're going to be better for it going into the college football playoff when they have to play a loaded Oklahoma team as I see it. So that's the sixth seed. Georgia has a an uphill battle to say the least. Uh, coming in at number five, shouldn't shock anybody. Uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes, they will be playing Northwestern on Saturday for the Big Ten Championship. Yeah, with Ohio State, they have a ton of weapons surrounding Dwayne Haskins. It really comes down to he plays. He's how he plays. He's been the catalyst in... In a ton of these games, I mean, Maryland, he probably single-handedly won them the game along with J.K. Dobbins. I, I just want to... Oh, chime uh, in, please. I just want to chime in here. I'm hogging. The reason I'm not talking, I completely agree with you. And right. That is all. Go back. Oh, oh thank you. Oh, and I wanted to say, uh, I found this guy tweeting. I guess he was a... Oklahoma fan? Oh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, they're always interesting. Said, shoot. Ohio State barely beat Maryland. Maryland beat Texas. Texas beat Oklahoma. Yeah, that just speaks to the mess that college football is. <laughs> and frankly, I, dude, I love it. I love it. I love how messy it is. I love how down to the wire it is. Like, the NFL, everybody, you know, relatively speaking, you kind of know what it's going to be outside of a handful of games every week. And that's unless the Bills beat the Vikings, and then it just gets weird. Yeah, what the hell was that? That game still blows my mind. But I, I just love the um, the anonymity of the college football universe. Like a- any dark horse can just can you know pull up at any time. Uh, as, uh, that guy makes a good point, though. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, Maryland, who I don't think finished five hundred, did beat Texas, who was in the Big Twelve championship game. That's that is. Utterly insane. We'll get to Oklahoma here shortly, but as for Ohio State, Nick Bosa, as we all know, huge loss for them up front. I, I build Ohio State as the best roster coming into the season. We we spoke about that early on in the college football season. They absolutely decimated Oregon State in that first game. I was like, yeah, these guys are good. This is what they're gonna do. They're going to they're going to absolutely, you know, just load up the scoreboard on you. Their defense is gonna their defense is a lot like an NFL defense. Maybe not in personnel, but in the ramifications of how most of their games go. They they get stats and they contain you. They can they can give up, you know, 31 points, but as long as that as long as that offense gets back out on the field 
and you know the defense kind of kind of stop kind of prevents the bleeding and does just well enough that uh, Ohio State that's their that's their recipe to win so I mean beating Michigan Saturday huge resume booster I mean we could get into the implications and the way they beat oh Michigan. that was that was crazy it was a close game I mean I was uh, I was out of town on Saturday watching uh watching our local high school get devastated by a bunch of uh bunch of mountain boys but uh, i was keeping track of it loosely and the pa announcer at that high school was kind of kind of you know lobbing a score out there he was more content to talk about the frostburg state game and the john hopkins game johns hopkins is known for doctors not football neither here nor there i i <laughs> was <funny>. loosely <laughs> yeah no cap i mean like i don't want to know the score of a d3 football game my guy this is the best college football game on on saturday and you're you're telling me oh frostburg 14 johns hopkins 39 we keeping track of PhDs or like, <laughs> I, I, yeah. Overall, I was lost, but beating Michigan in the, especially in the way they did, like you said, it was huge, man. I mean, that's that's a tremendous resume builder. Um, I mean, while they're parked in the five slot, uh, I mean they they could move in if Oklahoma or Clemson happens to lose their respective conference titles. I mean, Clemson, dude, Clemson plays Pitt. That's gonna be a slaughter. I mean. Unless Trevor Lawrence like breaks his leg on like a, uh, unless Trevor Lawrence steps on a thumbtack and compound fractures, yeah, compound fractures his neck, <laughs> and has to live with glass bones and paper skin the rest of his life, uh, Clemson just walks it. <laughs> like that's not even close. But I mean, Oklahoma is the game they're going to be keeping an eye on. It's very immediate to the, in the grand scheme of things, it's very linear. Five to what is perceived as a four in Oklahoma. So, I mean, if Oklahoma loses that game and Ohio State takes care of business like they ought to on Saturday, Ohio State could slide right into that four seed. So, I mean, that that's kind of my path for them. they got to watch out for Northwestern, though. Very scrappy team. I mean, they played Notre Dame tough. At the end of it, we were just bigger, faster than them. Our receivers, you know, Elise Mack, uh, Claypool, Miles Boykin had a great game. Dexter Williams really came to the front for us in that game. So... I mean, we, we ended up duking it out with them, but it was only because of our size and speed more than anything. That's a scrappy football team. We'll get to the we'll get to the implications for Notre Dame Go Irish uh, here in a little bit, but I, you had something you want to say, bro? Uh, no, not really. I, I was just uh, okay. How's your uh, How's your credit score? Uh, it's pretty good. I, okay. Last time I checked, uh, literally what I wrote down is I think Oklahoma will get a bit over Georgia. Dude, that's fair. <laughs> I mean, like uh, Georgia has a tough path forward. I mean, that's why they're my six right I mean, now. The only really fight against Oklahoma is they've given up forty points in each of their past four games. But I still think I mean they have a better strength of schedule than Ohio State. Yeah, the Big um, Twelve that gets you a lot more merit than most people would think. Yeah. And I I don't know, I just uh, I like Oklahoma better. I think it would be more entertaining of a playoff if yeah. What Oklahoma do you think? Was in there. What do you think about the dichotomy between Oklahoma and Ohio State? Like, how do you think that factors in? Do you think Oklahoma could lose to Texas, or that's just I, I, no. they're not gonna even they're not even gonna chance it, and they're just gonna go in there and just blow that game. Out I of think the water. if you're the committee, you, I mean, obviously, I don't think. That's Oklahoma. the game they're looking at. I don't Oklahoma's think the committee's not going to lose to Texas yeah. this time. I doubt it. But 
if you're look if you're the committee you're looking if you had to choose between three guys Jake Fromm Kyler Murray Dwayne Haskins you're picking Kyler Murray he's the most fun to watch he's the best player in the country I mean that might be a hot take to some people but yeah get get off I, I don't even want to say get off the two a train because he's a beast too but I mean the cream always rises to the top and as it's gone down the stretch Kyler Murray he won them that game against West Virginia that oh, that yeah. shootout of a game and to that point I think <laughs> those kind of we're losing him to baseball I'm not. It's going to be awesome. <coughs> I, well, Noah's losing him to baseball. I'm gaining him in in baseball. The A's got a great prospect. That's who he's going to, right, the A's? Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they got a great prospect in him. Going to be interesting to see his baseball development. We'll, uh, hopefully what if we'll, he, you think he's going to go straight to the league? No, nah, I doubt it. I mean, he's he. they already said he's going to like double A, which oh, okay. is typical of even most like high It'll be like days. the Tim Tebow games. They all sell out. You got to buy them like yeah, months before. Yeah. That's interesting you mentioned that. I, I'm going to be looking forward to watching him, and hopefully he'll provide us with some stories as uh, once the weather warms back up and baseball season is in, uh, is in full swing. But, I mean, the shootout kind of games that, you know, that Big 12, you know, that Big 12 mindset, I think it bodes well for Oklahoma. They're really battle-tested, and that's going to take them a long way against a team like Alabama. I mean, a lot of people are actually picking – if, if the field stays as is in, in that 1-4 matchup, Bama-Oklahoma, a lot of people think Oklahoma has a real shot to knock off Bama. And I don't I don't disagree. That might actually be like a game we saw this weekend when Texas A&M beat LSU 74-72 or whatever it was. It's going to be a shootout. It, it will be a play. basketball game. There will be no defense. It will be a basketball game. game, dude. Like, they shouldn't even kick <laughs> off. Just they Like, they get the ball to 25 or whatever and just, yeah, just go at it. I mean, that's... That's what you're signing up for if if you have that one versus four matchup. And like I said, I mean, one loss, you know, that one loss Georgia team, while they're very good, and that, that LSU loss was weird to me, man. I Alabama, the thing that gets me is if you want to talk about teams who have mutual opponents, Alabama killed LSU, and it's, it's something that gets me every year. Like, LSU will be doing great, and then they'll run into Alabama, and it's just like, okay, they they totally stray away from everything that got them, you know, attained them their success and got them to the <coughs> point of being, in a lot of cases, undefeated up until that point. And it's funny because you'll see in the NFL, the LSU guys that get into the NFL, they have, there's more LSU guys that get Pro Bowls than the Alabama guys. But in the college world, you know, in, in the basis of reality, Bama kills them more often than not, which yeah. is just absolutely crazy to me. I, I don't know if it's Nick Saban getting them fired up to play his former team or uh, there, there's there's something in the in the water in Alabama. <laughs> Life is like a box of chocolates, I guess, and <laughs> Alabama just eats LSU every time. Uh moving on to Yeah, moving on to number three. Uh we got I have Clemson there. The committee has Clemson at two, which is Total propaganda, but um, yeah, Clemson and uh, yeah, Clemson and Notre Dame that two three dichotomy. No matter how you put it, it's that's that seems to be the matchup, especially right now. I mean, you still gotta have you still gotta play those conference championship games. As far as Clemson goes, I mean, while they're a great football team, they have a freshman quarterback. Their secondary is pretty unimpressive. If you want to talk about a defense, I mean, their front four is probably the best across the board in the country. Yeah. With uh, you know, Wilkins, a few of those guys. Um, 
Yeah, relatively unimpressive secondary. Strength of schedule is kind of kind of eh. That ACC is not what it used to be whatsoever. The Miamis and the Florida States of the world are they have they taken a, they've taken a massive they you know, they, you, yeah they you jumped off a cliff. They suck. Yeah. Willie Taggart was absolutely horrible <laughs> at Florida State. Um, yeah, you couldn't you couldn't butcher it any you know anymore with that job. Remember when Maryland was in the ACC? That was fun. Oh, what a time! Gary Williams was a basketball coach once. What a guy. Anyway, um, yeah, Notre, Notre Dame they they sent a lot of teams packing. Like I said, I mean we beat the Stanford's, the Virginia Techs. Uh, the Northwesterns, I mean, Syracuse, look what it did to their season. I mean, we sent them packing, you know. We, we showed them, like, hey, we're the Fighting Irish. You guys are a team that is ranked too high. Bye-bye. You know, <laughs> four, 50 points later, uh, that that's what we do. I, I sound like an absolute hack right now. I get it. I think I haven't thought this highly of a Notre Dame football team in years. I mean, Everett Golson broke my heart about three too many times. Manti Teo's girlfriend's been leaving me voicemails, but uh, yeah, this Clemson team, dude, they're they're gonna come out and they're gonna come out and gun it, you know. I think Trevor Lawrence, if uh, if the stars align, he could be a special player and really take this college football uh, playoff scene by storm. This matchup has really been talked about a lot, like I said, and to actually see it come to fruition would be that'd be the cherry on top for me. So, really looking forward to that, and that that's uh that's gonna wrap it up for you know. That's going to wrap it up for a seat at the table. I think the four teams that get to this table, I think it's going to be this four, like I said. That's just that's just my opinion. You know, feel feel free to disagree. I, I think the four teams that sit at this table, it's it's going to be a feast. I'm telling you. I'm really looking forward to it. And I and I hope, you know, for the sake of the viewers and the fans that it stays this way. I think I think those those four teams are a great field. The other two I mentioned, Ohio State and Georgia, would also would also bode well. So I think if you know if the committee stays on this track, you're gonna see a, a very healthy, a very healthy field. Looking forward to it. So let's move on to our uh, DefCon Q or QB DefCon or uh, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it's a fallout. Basically, we're just going to dive into teams that need a quarterback, teams that could use a quarterback. Give them a DefCon ranking if you're not aware of that. It what that is. Bennett, can you tell the people what DefCon is? Yeah, a DEFCON it it denotes um, it denotes like the military readiness of our country. So the lowest DEFCON, DEFCON one, that indicates that America is in a state of nuclear war. And as it pertains to this discussion, an NFL team is gonna blow up. Like you know. So if you have and five five is the lowest DEFCON. Ironically, it's kind of backwards. Five in the context of this discussion means you're absolutely safe. You have a good quarterback. It's peacetime. So Nathan Peterman, DEFCON one. That name will not be said on this podcast. <laughs> there are probably children listening to it. But uh, the I, 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 on that point, the Bills actually have a decent QB situation. We saw yeah, Allen. Not- Allen played well this week. We're not going to touch them. We're not going to be. We'll let Barstool talk about uh, talk about Josh Allen. Uh, Dan Katz, huge Josh Allen fan. Shout out to him, rightfully so. So teams that need a quarterback, I wrote down Jaguars. Oh, we, yeah. What do you got for them? I mean, Bortles got benched this week. Um, the senator from Massachusetts from 1779, uh, Nathaniel Hackett, was fired. <laughs> so, I mean. <laughs> they got to be a DEFCON 1. Uh yeah, actually yeah, I have them at a DefCon one. Blake Bortles has been Blake Bortles has been just complete cheeks down the stretch for lack of a better description. He's kind of been the uh 
the recipe for a disaster there. And they're they're already blowing this thing up. I mean, they might give Marone one more season, I think, because he kind of turned them around from the year before last, and they made the AFC Championship last year with a relatively crappy quarterback. So I think they still believe in Marone a little bit in the front office. But, yeah, they're going to have to draft quarterback if they – if they don't want to totally implode, you know, I think guys like Ramsey and a few others are going to be walking out the door if they don't make a change uh, there in Jacksonville. I mean, you could you could surmise about prospects, who they would get. Uh, I just kind of want to let the season play out, and then we'll really get into the brass tacks of who's available, you know, who is uh, who is declaring for the draft. I know Herbert's a big question mark, and that really pertains to my Giants and a few other teams that are in the DEFCON 1. We'll... uh. We're gonna to get to that here in a sec, but yeah, we're we're, we're gonna let that we're gonna let that play out with the prospects. Just just know that the Jags need a quarterback if they're serious about contending and don't want to you know totally implode on themselves in the years to come. All right, so let's just quickly. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a team name. You tell me DefCon one through five. Got it. Ready? Yep. Uh, Miami Dolphins. I have the Miami Dolphins at a DEFCON 1. Tannehill is just so injury-prone. I have them at 2, so we're, we're, yeah, we're in the, the same ballpark. ballpark. Yeah, they need, I just think Adam Gase is a big Tannehill fan, and I think if he hasn't done anything about the QB situation, yeah, he's not going he to. He fell in love with that locker room, <laughs> and they're a quarterback away from being a contender. I mean, we've seen them spoil some teams this year. Yeah. Um, they were a hot they need team a quarterback to start badly. the season. Um, mm-hmm. Start out the season pretty well. Injuries, man. Bit them. Um, Giants. Can you do DEFCON 0? Uh, I we, mean... We just blow up? Uh, <laughs> I, I hate the purists that say that, oh, Eli Manning has years left. Uh, no, the guys that are catching his footballs, Mr. Shepard and Mr. Beckham, and now Mr. Barkley, who is... Yeah, uh, he'll have a 30 for 30 real soon. Uh, yeah, those guys have years left. Not not Mr. Manning. He, he leaves more throws out there than... And second-year guys on a weekly basis takes a sweet time in the pocket, settles on checkdowns. Granted, our offensive line is pretty horrible, but I just think the Giants need to take it for what it is. Gettleman, Mara, you know those traditionalists, purists, whatever you want to call them, the old guard. They need to take it for what it is, and they they need to step up and draft a quarterback for the sake of the talent that's remaining on this team next year. All right, so Buccaneers. Oh yeah, they're at a DefCon one. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna need to blow that ship up bad. Uh, you got Winston with the off the field and the on the field issues. To be fair, yeah, I don't think Jameis Winston's really panned out for them. Fitzpatrick, not a franchise guy. He's nah, getting he's up there. toast. He's toast. He'll have a nice he'll have a nice commentating job waiting for him somewhere. He's a he's a Harvard guy, you know. I mean, he's got a lot of character. I think he's his football career is done. He's finessed enough money from teams at this point to. To look like Conor McGregor on a weekly basis, but um, <laughs> all right, moving on, Bengals. Yeah, Bengals, Bengals, Bengals. Yeah, they're done. Uh, we were just talking about a few a few minutes ago. They wanted to hire Hugh Jackson as a head coach next year. If they boot Lewis, who's to say they're even going to do that? They are just they're just mired in mediocrity right now. They have been for a number of years. I have them at Defcon three. I think it's just an Andy Dalton purgatory. I think it's the same thing every yeah, year. Yeah, I have him at two. It's like Groundhog's Day. I have him at two. You can you could draft a quarterback and uh, let him make it develop. Yeah, yeah, let him develop a little bit and make a change as you see fit. Kind of like kind of like the Ravens did. You know, in division, just kind of follow that model. At the end of the day, when Andy Dalton has weapons, he's not terrible. He's not bad. He's worked well with Hugh Jackson before. He had some of his best years under Hugh. 
So I mean, I I don't I don't want to hate on the red rifle, but definitely, you know, definitely keep a quarterback in your sights as the draft approaches. They're gonna have a relatively high pick now that Dalton's out. They're tanking, so yeah, definitely keep a QB in in mind if you're the Bengals. Uh, kind of just take it for much like the Giants, just take it for what it is and acknowledge that you might have to just start from the bottom again soon. The Denver Broncos. I have him at DefCon too. I love Case Keenum and how he's been playing. I, I do too. I love his, you know, I love his passion and his response to the criticism of his own teammates. But I don't think it's going to be sweet for him very long. And John Elway wants to kind of. I think he kind of wants to go out and get his guy more or less. Yeah. And you know, kind of take kind of take ownership of the development of a QB under his own thumb. Yeah, it's really going to be interesting to see, you know, who Elway likes as his guy. Uh, it's not as it's not as heavy as a, of a QB class as it was last year. And I'll kind of let you touch on some of the guys that are, you know, kind of the hot topic right now here in a minute. But I, I, I definitely think Elway kind of wants to have creative control of, you know, him picking a guy, him seeing him seeing through that guy's credentials and, you know, bringing him up through the Broncos system. Oakland Raiders. I have them at a DEFCON 2. I don't think Derek Carr is going to be there. I, I I wrote down, realistically, DEFCON 4. Yeah. Gruden's world, DEFCON 1. Yeah, Gr- dude, Gruden sensationalizes everything. Yeah. You, you have to realize w- with him there, just being the eccentric guy that he is, a- anything that comes out of that organization is gonna it's gonna have a twist on it it's it's just it's the black hole man you know it's just that's how it's been for a number of years i just don't see Derek carr being there i think he's gonna get moved one way or another i don't think gruden's gonna want to move him but i think he's gonna have to i think he's gonna come to the consensus that he kind of has to and they're kind of gonna have to maybe part ways you know for the betterment of both of them carr and the raiders respectively all right so the upcoming free agents for the quarterback position, you have Tyrod Taylor. He's moving out of Cleveland. Um, he could be a stop holder for a team. Um, Teddy Bridgewater, I mean, if he can bring back the old Teddy Bridgewater, that's a franchise guy right there. Yeah, I'd say so. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Jameis Winston, Derek Carr, if they're all cut, right. they're all free agents. Yep. Um, then you move on to the draft. you got big names such as Justin Herbert. He's athletic, nice arm, accurate. I would like to see him uh, learn more about recognizing defenses. Uh, he does a, he's not that good recognizing like when when a blitz is coming or man to man or zone. Yeah, um, I agree. He's definitely the biggest name in the yeah, draft. He's got all the tools too, physically. I mean, six six two forty, pretty mobile. That's yeah. That's what you the want. biggest question with him is if he's going to enter. I mean, I know his brother is a tight end, I believe, and he's coming to Oregon next year. I think he wants to play with his brother. I don't know why he would wait. I mean, yeah. you're guaranteed a first-round I mean, pick right now. He'd be a top-five pick in this year or next year. I mean, he, he'll he go number one next year. If the number one team needs a quarterback, you could speculate on that, obviously. But whenever he decides to go, he'll be a top-five pick. Wherever I, the Giants are. <laughs> yeah, I wishful thinking, right? Yeah. Um. So then we have Will Greer. He's a playmaker. He's accurate on short to mid throws. His accuracy deep is what concerns me. Mm-hmm. He forces unnecessary throws too, but I think this guy could be a steal. I mean, he's projected to be like a mid-round pick, and I have him. He's my second quarterback in the rankings. Yeah, you, Will Greer cannot be slept on. He reminds me. A I think lot he of, is the most pro-ready quarterback. Yeah, in this he reminds track. me a lot of Phil Rivers. Like, yeah. in all in all honesty, like you know, 
not similar mechanics necessarily. Will Greer <laughs> is a little more he's a little more over the top. He's like a sh- ShopRite brand break Baker Mayfield to me. Less mobility, bigger frame. No, yeah, yeah. But in the throws he makes, yeah, he throws yeah. the ball really hard. Yeah, like, he's it's it's crisp. He's got good touch. He doesn't have a huge arm, but I I think Will Greer is slept on for sure. So then you got Daniel Jones out of Duke. Uh, definitely the best arm in this draft. I watched him throw a ball fifty yards while getting hit, oh my and gosh. Uh, it's pretty insane. He's accurate. I don't think he has like. The Josh Allen arm or Matthew Stafford, but right. it's definitely the best in this class. It's better than Herbert's for sure. Wow, um, that says a lot. I want to see him. Uh, I mentioned Herbert. I want to see him recognize blitzes better. Uh, Daniel Jones, he, he recognizes them. He changes the pass protection, but he plays for Duke. They don't really have the best talent on their offensive line. And right. um, so he gets blitzed a lot and uh, under pressure a lot. I'd like to see him do better against that i think he's a second round guy yeah um, absolutely definitely if there's need for him he, he he's getting picked first round but uh i think he's the third best quarterback in this draft and then drew lock out of missouri um really big arm not as big as daniel jones is but uh his decision making and accuracy deep really bothers me um obviously he doesn't really have as many weapons as like a justin herbert or even you could argue a Will Greer, but right, um, he just makes unnecessary throws, and um, interceptions have been a problem recently. Yeah, it was good to see him get healthy, though. I mean, when he's healthy, he can fit the ball into a lot of tight windows, really uh, manipulate some zone defenses. And to your point about Daniel Jones being kind of uh, the most one of the more savvy quarterbacks in this class. He uh he plays I, if I'm not mistaken he plays for David Cutcliffe and mm-hmm. yep he uh he's known for his work with the Manning brothers and yeah if you know Peyton Manning which that's uh, another big factor in him being bumped up I mean this was a guy coming into the season that not a lot of people knew about mm-hmm. and he's kind of made a name for himself and yeah definitely Cutcliffe has definitely been a part of that yeah if he has a strong foundation and gets with a team who's kind of acclimated I think. He's just a guy who needs to get kind of developed and have his game sped up to meet NFL standards. I think he could be, I think he could be a force down the road. It's just a matter of time with him for sure. So he comes from a great system. He's got that going for him. All right, so let's move on to the early, way too early look at the free agency. Um, we're both going to give three different big free agent names and dive into their best fit and a little bit of a breakdown of, you know, their play style. You want to take it? Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. I'm gonna start with uh, I'm gonna start with Landon Collins. You know, home cooking. All told, I think he's gonna stay with the Giants. Uh, we really have to make. Uh, you don't think he's gonna stay with the Giants? <laughs> no, I I started to cough, and then I I just thought about yeah, if that's you guys that, lose Landon Collins. That's <laughs> atrocious. I think yeah. there will be a riot in Northern New Jersey. Sorry guys, I'm a might. little sick. I got a tickle in my throat. Between you and your doctor. Um, <laughs> all told, I think he's going to stay with us unless something just cataclysmic happens. I don't foresee that. One way or another, he'll get tagged. Whatever. But uh, I think this defense has to be built around him and, you know, Vernon, believe it or not. If we can get back a healthy, you know, functioning Olivier Vernon, he's a he's a beast. I mean, he's not known for sacks. He had eight, of, uh, you know, that year went to the playoffs and back in 16. But... 
he's a guy that really sets up other people nicely. Like a lot of people play well off of him. He gets pressures. He, you know, he forces the other team's hand. He's he's versatile. You see him line up, you know, standing up all over the, you know, inside out. He's he he can be dominant at times. And I think, you know, with that being said, you need to build it around him and LC. We have fifteen dollar or fifteen dollars, <laughs> fifteen dollar minimum wage. Different, <laughs> different podcast. Um, we we will have sixteen million in cap going into twenty nineteen. I think we're gonna have to, you know, really downsize in terms of getting rid of. We could get rid of Stewart, John Stewart, and wasted running back, uh, Kareem Martin. Ogletree's aged out. He missed a huge tackle on Ertz the other day that blew my mind. Uh, you could also perhaps get rid of Janoris Jenkins, but. He's been he's been better these past few games. Granted, we've been playing some scrubs, but he's been better. He's been better. I will say that. Chad Wheeler can go. We'll get a tackle in the draft. Um, I think we'll go O line second round this year again. Uh, will Hernandez was a good find for us. And uh, yeah, God forbid we get rid of Eli Manning. Holy shnikes. Yeah, if Kyle Loletta bounces back from that <laughs> just peculiar incident that he had with the police about a month back, three weeks back. If he bounces back, we definitely have to look at him uh, in these last few games. I mean, the season's over now. It's a lost cause. We're obviously mathematically eliminated in a very tight NFC. Only chance is the division, and we're not going to get that with 8-8. Eight and eight. So, um, yeah, I, I, I could... I, I I wouldn't be too mad if we got rid of Eli Manning. He's a huge cap hit. All told, I think... You know, we would end up with something like thirty-five million if we made all those cuts, maybe forty million. You know, the number the number kind of escapes me right now, and I'm not gonna sit here and you know, I'm not gonna sit here and posture if I don't have an outright figure. But it, we would have a we would have a very ubiquitous cap space if we were to ditch some of those guys, especially Eli Manning. Um, not saying our establishment front office is gonna do that, but it would be nice with that cap. We could hit a home run in free agency. Or, uh, we, we need to hit a home run in the draft, rather. And we could sign a big-name free agent or two this offseason, you know, be it a linebacker, an O-lineman, something of that nature. All the skill position guys, you know, they check out for sure. Ingram, Beckham, obviously, Barkley, certainly. Um, this this really can't be done, though, unless the front office commits to, you know, working out a deal with Landon Collins and accepts the predicament this team is in. I mean, you, you can't go forward if you're – if you're stuck, you can't drive if you're stuck in neutral, you know. If not the Giants for LC, I think he's going to head, you know, to Green Bay. They have a, they'll have a lot of cap, you know, barring they make some of the right moves. I was thinking Pittsburgh, but in hindsight, they don't have really much cap at all. Um, maybe the Colts for LC. They have a ton of cap and a need at the safety position. Uh, they, they get beat deep pretty frequently and could use that extra run support. And, uh, this is a real zinger. I think <laughs> Cleveland. Ooh, Imagine funny. LC on that defense <laughs> that is already rather serious. I mean, we're we're just kind of speculating right now. You know, way too early. I think LC ultimately ends up signed with the Giants. But um, yeah, it's it's good to take a look at this stuff objectively, especially when you get to talking about the cap. That really is going to determine what these teams do in the. And the and the moves they make as the uh, as the hot stove heats up with the season winding down. No, sticking with the uh, like our our home teams, um, Golden Tate, he's oh a boy. free agent this season. Uh, you guys was just traded. Cap too. Look out. Was just traded from Detroit. 
He's a franchise guy there. Uh, we're not really utilizing him, but I think I'm probably the only person that has thought like this, but I think that could pay off that we're not really using him. Yeah, teams will forget about him. Like if the market price him. is going to be a lot low, lower than it would be if we're... Yeah, exactly. And uh, the Eagles could re-sign him if the money works out. Mm-hmm. For best fit, I mean, there's only one team that likes short slot receivers, and that is the New England Patriots. Yeah, they're they have a decent cap situation too. I mean that that was like I don't worst. I I don't know I haven't looked at cap or anything. I'm just giving. Yeah, the Eagles are the worst in cap. They're negative. No, they're twelve million in the hole. I know we're right right there with Jaguars, and that's what's gonna screw the Jaguars. That's why I said they need to draft perfectly. No room for error. They're terrible in in terms of cap. I think. Any contracts you guys could get rid of? Just guys like um, get the hell out of there. I mean, there's there's a few guys. Uh, I know uh, like Peters retiring, Sproles retiring. That's going to help out a lot. Ajayi, as I mentioned before, yeah, getting him out of there. Yeah, that'll at least break you guys even. And then I mean, Darby's a free agent this year. I'm pretty sure. I don't know if we're going to keep him. It's like mean, a three million dollar cap hit. I yeah. think for. Um, and then, um, I don't know. I mean, Brandon Graham's a free agent. And I love Brandon Graham, but if yeah, I don't know if we're going to be able plans. to sign three free agents or just keep Brandon Graham. I mean, I think our defensive line with Derek Barnett, like I think Derek Barnett can eventually he could develop fill in, yeah, and fill sure. in. Absolutely. Um, moving on to my next one, Jadavian Clowney, who's also a free agent. Oh, free agent. Um, if I were the Texans, I would make sure I would keep him. I would franchise tag him. I would do whatever you got to do. Exactly. I mean, he has battled injuries, but he's a great pass rusher and run stopper. A great guy to be paired up with J.J. Watt. Yeah, kind of um, filling in his absence too. Yeah, and you got J.J. Watt, like the power guy on the inside, and then you get um, Jadavian Clowney <coughs> on the outside, speed guy. Um, so for best fits, obviously, I, I think he should stay. So I put the Texans. But uh, if not, I would like to I would like to see him uh, paired up with another star pass rusher, um, and like you said earlier, imagine him on the Browns paired up with Miles Garrett. You said um, Clowney. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, the Browns. You're you're gonna hear a few teams in this free agent in this free agent carousel. Browns, the Jets, and uh, Indy, and it's not coincidental that they're all in, relatively speaking, like the top seven for cap space. So yeah. Very likely landing spots for a they few They have a people. lot of needs. Yeah. Th- like the Colts are a contending team right now. Or, or they're, they're in the playoff race, and mm-hmm. they still have a lot of roster holes, like especially on defense. I mean, right. there's not a lot of big guys, big-name guys. On yeah, their especially team. in that defensive backfield. Like I said, there's a few question marks back there. Kind of just guys filling in. I think Hooker could be good, but Clayton Gathers gets beat like too much over the top, in my opinion. They could use a little more of a pass rush on defense as well. Not that Jabal Sheard's bad, but he's not going to be a staple there forever. It would be nice to get a young guy alongside him. I mean, they passed on Chubb in the draft. Bradley Chubb, that is. He's been a stud for the Broncos this year. Um. I mean, while they passed on him, they did get Quentin Nelson, yeah. who's a perennial all-pro. A for an, yeah, for a number of years to come. I mean, look, we, we harp on it constantly, how good their O-line is. So they 
they net gain from passing on Chubb, but they would stand to gain a ton from getting a young pass rusher. I think it would kind of take their defense to the next level. Um, yeah, I think Clowney does resign, though. The Texans would be absolutely boneheaded not to resign him. I don't think that doesn't strike me as a team that has a lot of contracts coming up or anything or, you know, super potent. I know they got a lot of money tied up in Watt. I mean, I mean, they got to expect that Watson's going on a lot of money coming up. I mean, it, yeah, he's a humble guy, though. I could see him taking a little bit of a cut. I mean, he's yeah. not going to be the Andrew Wiggins of the world. Uh, also, the Honey Badger. He's a free agent, I think, coming up this year. Oh man, I don't know if they've extended I, yeah, him or not. I saw, I saw that. Now that you mention it, there, I saw articles. I didn't click on any. I was like, oh man, he's gonna be a free agent. But for the for the purpose of this segment, I, I I picked my guys. But he, that's definitely something we'll have to touch on as the hot stove heats up. But uh, for now, uh, yeah, breaking news as as we're um as we're on this pod at twelve eleven a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, the Texans did take care of business with the Titans on Monday Night Football. That uh, just touching on that briefly, that goes a long way for them. I think they're going to lock up that division. Yeah. In a matter of weeks, this is a this is a team that started out zero and three. My Giants beat them. So their team was one of the or their coach was one of the most scrutinized for sure. Yeah, he was one of the most hated guys in America. Not a lot of people like Bill Bri- Bill O'Brien. I dude, I Winning love Winning Souls everything. I love him, dude. That ass chin and his attitude are are just awesome. <laughs> like that is that is football. He looks like a foot now he looks like a golf ball, but he is a football coach. I dig that guy. I dig the Texans. I think they can make some noise in the playoffs this year for sure. The AFC's more open than people are, you know, people are estimating in my opinion so shout out to them man the titans are toast like i said earlier they don't really have much of an identity uh they're gonna have to draft really well they have a great roster they just can't seem to put it together they're really gonna need to you know put that whole team under the microscope and see just what the hell is going on and why they can't why, why they can't put it together uh more consistently but uh yeah back back to the weights early free agent discussion uh guy that guy that really uh Guy that not a lot of people have talked about this season, Randall Cobb, Green Bay Packers, uh, slot receiver, special teams specialist. Uh, I I think the Packers should re-sign him. I mean, Nick Perry is going to be off the books for them pretty soon. He's kind of at the end of the road. Same with Clay Matthews. Uh, they have relatively good young pass rushers. I mean, uh, Kenny Clark, Wilkerson. Wilkerson, that's another guy who's going to be a free agent. But if he stays in Green Bay, that's huge for them along with Kenny Clark. Mike Daniels, uh, Kyler Fackrell has been really good for them. So I mean, they have a good front. They have the potential to be uh, a great, a great defensive front for a number of years to come. Uh, overall, with Randall Cobb, pretty injury prone guy. Yeah. While he's injury prone, he's he's out right now. He's appeared in like three games this season. Not very effective at all because he's been dinged up. But I mean, his 2014 season, he had something like 91 catches. Well over a thousand yards, like twelve touchdowns, so he can be effective in tandem with Dante Adam, Devonte Adams. That's a dangerous duo. That is really dangerous. And if you get Jimmy G going, you get a running game. I mean, this is all speculation as it stands right now because Cobb is going to be a free agent. But I mean, the Packers, it, the recipe is there. The Packers just have to, you know, the Packers just have to implement it and see through that Randall Cobb gets signed. I mean. When healthy, the Packers are really good. We've seen it a number of times. Uh, one of the things as it pertains to cap, like we've been talking about, Rodgers is a huge cap hit. 
which is ironic. His cap is going to be his cap hit's going to be like thirty one million by twenty twenty two, the end of his contract. And then the guy has the nerve to complain. This is one of my quibbles with Aaron Rodgers. Huge cap hit, and then has the nerve to complain that they can't attract free agents. <laughs> it's like they're they can't get the money they want because you're getting all of the money. The, yeah. the money dries up at some point, my guy. Like, I don't I don't get it. He's Aaron, Aaron's confusing me lately. He really is. He's confusing himself. Um, Didn't call his mom. And we'll get into that. That's, in a a, that's another that's another quagmire. My <laughs> Twitter fingers are itching to talk about that. Uh, Green Bay has uh, yeah, they're slightly below the league average in cap, but like I said, they could free up cap easy, getting rid of those dried up veterans in the form of Nick Perry, Tremont Williams, and Clay Matthews. Uh, they yeah, they could save an estimated twenty million just based off of that. Um, hypothetically, it is a big free agent destination. I mean, they just got Jimmy G. If he wasn't, if he hasn't been dinged up, he's missed a few games, you know, with the thumb, some other stuff this year. But when he's there, he's pretty good. If he's if he can be like the Jimmy G of old for this team, dude, sky is the limit. Sky indeed is the limit. All uh, right, so I'll dive into my third one and then yeah, you will real quick though, Indy. Jets and Cleveland, biggest destinations. I think Cobb could could fit very well in those places. Just wanted to make that point. Go right ahead, sir. All right, so mine's probably the most talked about free agent. It's going to be for a long time, and we're going to be hearing about it. So get it out right now, and then I never want to talk about it until it actually happens. Yeah. Le'Veon Bell. That'll be the day. Um, one of the best running backs in the league. Hasn't played for Pittsburgh this entire season. He held out after being franchise tagged. Wanted a long-term deal. Obviously, um, one of the reasons he wanted the long-term deal is because the running back position has been trending to be like an undervalued during contract time. Uh, a lot of people think the shelf life on running backs is not too long, and then you can draft one late and do just as well. He's kind of hurting his case. Um, about that when his backup right. James Conner has broken out and is currently killing it. Um, Le'Veon wants big money and a team that really needs a running game in general, not just a running back, yeah. is going to pay that money. And best fit I have, and it's the most interesting fit by far to me, Right, the Colts. I think if you put Le'Veon Bell in the backfield with Andrew Luck, uh, that's dangerous. I mean, we see what Andrew Luck and Frank Reich is doing right now. Imagine if Le'Veon Bell was in that offense. Yeah, I mean, the only thing is they have a number of young guys there. Um, Nadeem Hines, yeah, Wilkins. Yeah, that's the only Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack and him would be a nice compliment, though. Yeah. That's like, and, and that's now I kind of draw the line in the sand there, but it's just what would they be willing to do with those young guys? They couldn't get anything. Well, they couldn't get anything back in trade value or they couldn't really move anywhere because Bell's a free agent. So it's just going to create a log jam at the position, essentially. Granted, it is Le'Veon Bell and he outweighs their value totally. But it's just when you get down to semantics, what are you going to do with those guys? Literally, um, I don't think you could really move them for anything. Maybe some picks. But this this isn't the MLB. It's not it's not that. Um, well, the way the NFL school, is the trending, I mean, you don't really have just one guy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, you don't have four either. That's you that's watch teams thing. that only have one real running back. And right. I mean, uh, take the Panthers for instance. I yeah. mean, Chris McCaffrey's just their guy, and Absolutely. I mean, sometimes he 
doesn't run in between or in the middle too well. And you need somebody that's going to complement your other running back. Like I said earlier, Josh Adams is a good running back. Corey Clement is a good receiving back. That's how the NFL's trending. Yeah, I mean, look. You at have this. two different guys or three different guys that all do three different things. Right, right. Like, look at the Jags, dude. Fournette's a running back. Yeldon is a scat back. He yeah, can catch. Yeah. He can catch passes. You know, make it work in space. They complement each other very well. Jaguars admired a mediocrity quarterback yeah. position. Defense is great, top five in pretty much every category, but the scales, you know, the scales really tip with their cap room being limited and Bortles absolutely tanking it. But we've talked enough about them. I'm gonna I'm gonna move on if it's okay with you to yep. my uh another big name free agent, another huge name free agent that a lot of people seem to forget about after he uh he uh flipped the bird to the oh. to the birds in a game full of birds in Arizona. And the last uh last image that a lot of people have of Mr. Earl Thomas is uh him being carted off the field and uh letting that thing fly at his own sidelines. So I mean that's that's about I don't, all you, I don't blame him. Yeah, that's about all you need to know. I don't I don't think it was directed at Pete Carroll or anything. He's just really mad. He's just just disappointed. It's the symbolism of that is a lot more it's a lot more lofty than than people are willing to look into. Uh, the thing about him is he wants a ton of money, very injury prone. Um, however, he's very good when he's on the field. One of the better safeties in the league, can kind of do it all. Yeah. Box guy, one of the good, best. Yeah, good over the good over the top for sure. Great ball skills. Uh, most definitely not going to fit in in Seattle. I don't think that they showed no interest in tagging him. He doesn't want to be there, so. I think that that's kind of fizzled out. That option is not on the table. Um, that being said, I could definitely see him going to a team like the Chiefs. They're really, you know, kind of missing a guy like that. Ron Parker's not really cutting it. Uh, granted, Eric Berry's there, and you have a lot of guys that are going to want to get paid soon. So I don't know if it would be wise on their part to kind of kind of throw a wrench into the into the wheel of things there in the form of Earl Thomas, but. He'd be a great fit, and there's a number of things you could do for their football team. The Cowboys are another really obvious one. I mean, there was talks about him going there early in the season. The Cowboys, uh, something happened with a second-round pick. Uh, One of the teams didn't want a second-round pick for Earl Thomas, or the Cowboys didn't want to give Seattle a second-round pick. They give a first for Amari Cooper. Uh, 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 Flip a coin. (laughs) Jerry Jerry Jones, whatever side of a – Whatever side of his bed that he wakes up on on, on a given day, I um really interesting one I have on here Arizona. Ooh, him and Buda Baker side by side. That's Patrick Peterson, Pat Pete. The the front on that defense is really good with Chandler, Chandler Jones. Jones. Yep. Kem Dichie's been good. That's a good that's a good fit. I I would say so. I mean, I just don't know if they're gonna want to pay him. Yeah, I, mean, I think Arizona is more of a rebuilding team. I don't think they're out here free agent hunting. Yeah, I think they're I mean, trying to develop. I don't know. I don't want to empty. Yeah, Rosen. I don't want to empty out this discussion. I mean, who do you think he could go to if not Chiefs, Cowboys, or Cardinals? I think I I I think you got one in the Chiefs. I mean, uh, but they did just trade. Yeah, and like I said, guys are gonna want to get paid, man. Yeah, you know, I don't want to throw a wrench in there. Are you thinking? What's say Green Bay? But I don't well, know. Green Bay just lost. Ha ha, Clinton Dix. Yeah, that's not a bad fit, I don't think. But the Colts. like the Chiefs were a like about to trade for 
Earl Thomas. They were about to do it. Oh, I'm was pretty, it? I'm pretty was sure it was reported over? that there was. No, nah, they were going to trade for him. Yeah, they, they were, and to... then he got hurt. Yeah, okay. I remember reading so something about that now. That's definitely a big... That's viable, yeah. I mean, if I was Earl Thomas, I would recognize that and be like, okay, hey. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have one more, or you hit your three? No, I hit my three. I hit my three. Cool, cool, we're cool. We're good to go. All right. I just want to make a quick point about you know about our way-too-early segment here. All the assertions we kind of put forth as far as landing spots, cap space, team needs, general fit. Uh, we're gonna have a more we're gonna have more in depth breakdowns as it pertains yeah. to free agents. A lot of big names coming out this year, like we said. You know, the Muhammad Wilkerson's, Teron Matthews, a free agent as well. So I mean, ton of big names. Ryan we, Fitzpatrick. <laughs> you wildin'. Um, yeah, ton of ton of big names coming up. Uh, you know that that's gonna be heating up as the season winds down. We'll have more uh, free agent discourse uh, in the weeks and months ahead. So definitely stay tuned for that. And uh, Noah, any, anything else from you tonight? That's all I got to say. Hugh Jackson will be uh, the Bengals' new head coach in a few weeks. Just wait I, on it. Shoof, I, will, I, will, <laughs> I will spike the nearest beverage with some bleach when that happens. Just kidding. I don't have anything invested in the Bengals. But like I said before, terrible move on their part. More power to them. And uh, all right, that that's all. That is all for us on the sports desk. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, be sure to follow us on Instagram at the Sports Desk Pod. Like us on Facebook at the Sports Desk Podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon with more news, commentary, and mild takes in the coming days. Have a good one. See you guys.